Welcome to the MBG Podcast. My name is Will. There's another person here, but they don't really matter that much, so I'm not going to introduce them. Yeah, we're talking about a game today. Oh, he looked at me weird. Thank you. <laughs> His name is David. I was going to let you do this whole thing by yourself. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Do it. Nobody nobody wants that. Nobody wants to hear this sultry voice for an hour <laughs> and a half talking about one thing. I mean, they might. I I don't know. Somebody could. Who knows? Maybe your mom or something. That's weird. I don't <laughs> even think she listens to the podcast. Yeah, I don't know either. So, we're talking about... uh, what? Fin- what? What are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about Final Fantasy Nine. Oh, yeah. Have you played this one? No, never. Okay. Well, right. that's going to be difficult <laughs> if you did this by yourself then. <laughs> I have played this one. Um, so Final Fantasy seven, VII, eight, and nine were the first ones that I actually beat. Um, I think they no, I think they say I beat eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen, fifteen, and fifteen. I have not beat any of the. Oh no, Final Fantasy three was the other one that I beat. I have beat them all except uh, except for three. And I, I don't you beat count two. Yeah, I don't oh. count. Uh, I don't count eleven and fourteen. So yeah, you can't really beat eleven or fourteen. Yeah. Anyways, um, I have pl- finished every story quest in Final Fantasy fourteen. So do you ever think it's weird that they made the online ones numbered entries? Nope. I think it's actually really it's it was good for the franchise, um, for them to associate their numbered entries with a. Um, with an online because it, it it established that these online ones are still going to be Final Fantasy games and if you think about it um, I think I've tried to explain this before but it was just me gushing my fandom for the game but mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XIV's story is very much a Final Fantasy story and it is required to play the story to get access to all the content um, that being said it's like a mainline Final Fantasy game Right. With online capabilities, um, though it does obviously center more around around the the online capabilities with dungeons and whatnot. Um, but the game itself, like main story quests, most of them you play by yourself. Um, oh, because you're just I running see. you're running quests and you're doing in, sometimes you're in an instance. Uh, but otherwise, like you run into okay, so maybe you get to a dungeon. You run that with other people, but in the newest expansion, you can actually run that with your own team and make it. You could be independent, so you don't have to actually include anybody else. And there's an AI that runs with you. So, so, so I watched the Game Awards, and I was l- kind of looking online during the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. This, is, this was a while, a while ago, but uh, they're talking. They're asking like, what's the, what's the number one uh, MMO? And like all the fans said, Final Fantasy Eleven, <laughs> or Final Fantasy Fourteen, mm-hmm. and it kind of seemed like like the show was kind of like, okay, okay, you you guys shut up about your Final Fantasy Fourteen. Oh, kind of even to WoW or something like that. Ah, uh, no, it was um, it was like Fortnite or something like that. Fortnite's in a, not an MMO. Well, I don't know those type of games, but it was one of those Actually, similar. You know Sorry, it is an MMO, but it's not an MMORPG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was just a, a number one online game. Oh, then definitely Fortnite. Yeah, and I, you, it's it's weird. Like you can't really, you can't even deny that. Yeah, but like it seems like all the fans, like all the actual players, mm-hmm. are like. Like it has a very vocal group, the Final Fantasy fourteen online group. Actually, if you really think about it, like the people who play Fortnite aren't really vocal about playing Fortnite. It's always it's it seems like yeah, it's they're a, just doing a thing. It's people who play Fortnite just play Fortnite, mm-hmm. and the numbers show that people play Fortnite, and the people amount of people who do little dances and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's a thing. 
But in terms of the people who enjoy paying their monthly subscription and say, this is the game that gives me the most bang, the the most emotion, the most like, you know, whatever for my buck, it's going to be 14 or, or really, I think at this point it's either 14 or wow. Hmm. And even then wow is starting to, to dip. I mean, I, I don't really know how that goes. I hear there, I, there's I feel a like we should uh, out for it though. So, so I feel like we should just like, record this part and then just and then uh throw it on the Final Fantasy 14 one. Nah. I like how we jumped in the Final Fantasy 9 and we're like, let's talk about Final Fantasy 14. Nah, it's okay. We go on tangents at the beginning of every single That's episode. True. That's and it true. It makes no sense. But then we reel it back in and we go, "Hey, we're talking about Final Fantasy 9, the ninth mainline in- entry into the Final Fantasy series. So, the so last one for PS1." Oh, yeah, for PS1. Uh so I was reading uh apparently some like french um magazine or publicist or whatever you want to call it uh they thought that final fantasy 9 mm-hmm. was a remake of final fantasy 1 because they didn't understand they thought it was final fantasy 1x oh because <laughs> yeah. oh, roman numerals are difficult yeah um I thought that was kind of amusing it's it's kind of weird. This is going to be one of those um when we talk about Final Fantasy 9, it kind of it's uh, it's the end of one era and the beginning of another. Um first because the game in its own way looks better than 7 and 8. Mm. Um well it has a very st- distinct style. Right. Yeah, actually there's something I don't think we've really talked about in 7 and 8 mm. is that their styles actually seemed like they were borrowing from other things. Whereas nine actually feel, I mean, seven obviously is its own. Well, they're just trying to make it realistic and they were finding real world places to to be inspired by. Well, they did the same thing with nine too. It was still heavily uh, inspired by Europe. Right. But if you look at it though, it's got that cartoony thing. It's got, it's got a scale of its own um, because all of the chibi characters actually match the environments and stuff. So you're not looking for really real proportions and stuff, but otherwise do you uh, want uh, you want me to skip to uh, the did you know part one part where uh, where they did get their inspiration for the artwork? Might as well. So they actually drew their inspiration from uh, the Dark Crystal, which dude that totally makes sense. Yeah, it makes the, a lot of sense. As soon as I read that, I was like, oh, and yeah, yeah. It, it did have kind of a puppety feel, and especially mm-hmm. with all the animal peoples and stuff like that. Right. Huh. Okay. Interesting, right? Very. Um. Did you watch? Just on a side note, did have you watched the new Dark Crystal? I have not. I it's wish. I haven't it's, either. It's wish listed. It's on my list. Yeah, it's I on my list too. I haven't got a chance to watch it. Um, I well, have because talked I, to people who have watched it, and yeah. everybody says that it is almost. It's a very. It's kind of an acquired taste. If you like the original Dark Crystal, then you'll definitely love it. But if you, it's def. It's like um. I don't know. You can go in it several different ways. You can go in it looking at it from like the fact that it's a masterpiece in terms of. Like the the puppeteering mm-hmm. and like the blending of CG. Jim Henson, right? It's um and his legacy, right? But there's the other ways you can go into it with like the nostalgia goggles and go, oh my gosh, this is a story that I that I remember loving, blah blah blah. And now it's just kind of delving deep into it. Um, and again, from both perspectives, I got the um the it was it was lovely both ways. Um, it's it's a good looking um show and it's very nostalgia heavy have you ever seen some like behind the behind the scenes for muppets 
like how how they do the Muppets. Yeah, are, yeah. Yeah, oh, dude, it's so they're awesome. insane. It is. Um, it's so impressive. Speaking of puppets, have you watched the Mandalorian? Yes. Okay. Five million dollar puppet for 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 freaking baby Yoda. Yeah. So, and and remember we talked about Star Wars last week. Um, and we were talking about uh Bobby Frick. He's also a puppet. <laughs> Apparently, like the thing is, like these puppets are making a resurgence because people because puppets age, they age better than CG because mm. CG always gets better, whereas puppets are. They're gonna look the same. They're yeah. always gonna look the same, and they're always the quality of the puppets is really just up to the style that's that's being gone for. Um, it's the reason why Dark Crystal tends to stand out because the, it's puppets. It's about as real as you can get it to look because it is real. Right. Um. Uh. It's just about them. I think what ends up getting better is the amount of motion they can give to certain pieces of the puppets. But Jim Henson, again, way ahead of his time, had already figured this stuff oh, out. Oh yeah. Um. In giving expressions as uh, puppets and stuff. That being said, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go back to Final uh, Fantasy Nine. Final Fantasy Nine, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really funny. I really like Final Fantasy Nine. I don't know why we're like like jumping off bo- off the ship so much. It's because Final Fantasy Nine has a lot of stuff in it that people like, not only in Final Fantasy Nine but just in general. Do you think it's a divisive one at all? No, I think Final Fantasy Nine is one of the ones that a lot of people say they love, and that when they think about the best Final Fantasy, they think of Nine because Nine is like a culmination of a right. lot of. Okay, I would feel. I, like, I, I feel, feel like, like there's less like, like it's it's like in people's top three, and it might be some people's favorite, mm-hmm. but it's like in a lot of people's top three. Yeah, it's you know, well, but it doesn't really. It never that, quite hits top one most yeah. of the time, um, and I think it's because Final Fantasy Nine. I think might have the most references to other Final Fantasies in it. Like mm-hmm. it is the one that, like everything from a rat's tail, which you get in like Final Fantasy. I think well, it's one, one, yeah. yeah. So like it's like it starts. It get. I mean, the game is like smashed full of references to all other Final Fantasies right. prior to it, and I think that's kind of reason why a lot of people love it so much, and the reason why it's always like close to the top but never quite there just because it's referencing the other things that would mm. be at the top. I wonder if Final Fantasy 19 is going to be like that. Where I it's mean, like a love story, love letter to past Final Fantasies. You would think, but at the same time, if you look at the progression of things, 10 did not barely reference anything in in Well, that was like the Fantasy. that was like the the you know, it's the new era. Right. Okay. So it's kind e- of the new era of Final Eleven, Fantasy. Eleven as an MMO, t- they had no choice but to reference other things. Yeah. Twelve barely reference anything else. I mean, they even got rid of almost every normal summon we've ever heard of and started with a whole. Of course, and then Final Fantasy fifteen came along and was like, "Here's all the music from every single game." Yeah, you can listen to it on the radio. But yeah. other than that, the game itself still. Yeah, there's not much reference. Other than yeah. just Titan, Shiva, and whatever. But yeah, so this game definitely references everything else, and I think that's kind of what makes it so solid is that it starts, um, it starts in a very different way than most Final Fantasies do, um, with the whole yeah. with the whole play thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is it, it almost feels like the music feels like a throwback too, like but well, with, he actually uh, with modern conveniences, uh, Umatsu, Umatsu, uh, yeah. yeah. No so he actually. Um, he actually took uh, scores from previous tiles, like the older tiles, and he mm-hmm. actually reworked them for so, this tile. So technically, he does that with almost every yeah, iteration. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the prelude is always remade. Mm. Um, 
but like yeah definitely this one it definitely felt like he was he was like it was like a throwback game it's right. really weird this game is i feel like that's gonna be the 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 through the through line for this whole game or talking about this game is that it is a throwback for all the previous final fantasies and it's like it definitely feels feels like this might have been one of the final fantasies they learned the most from previous ones um in terms it's like of like a culmination of everything they've learned previously yeah maybe yeah because it feels like after this one is they stopped learning stuff and they just started trying to be new. <laughs> I'm not. not yeah, really, I, I, I think that I can see that. That's about as true as it gets. I mean, because it seems like remember we were talking about how everyone they everyone they were trying to get closer and closer to this uh, this action system or mm-hmm. something that seems like it was of the times. And nine felt like it was like no 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 we learned how to do ATV over the last eight iterations. Mm-hmm. Let's show let's show that we've learned. And they did it, and then after that, then every time it was like, I don't want to do ADB. I'm going to try to do something else. But nine was like, we've learned, it's perfected. Here's how it works. Do yep. it. Done. Um, so I, I mean, eight or nine is a solid game. It's a very solid game. Yeah. So, so so well, I mean, it's more so honestly an homage to the first five, just because I mean it 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 was a departure from Final Fantasy six, seven, eights kind of like their future tech, their magic tech and all mm-hmm. that. And uh I mean, well, I mean the the Final Fantasy 9 drew heavy inspiration from Final Fantasy 1. Um right. I, I mean they still have a little bit of technology into it in Final Fantasy 9, but like like steam technologies in Final Fantasy 9, but it's like in its infancy. Right. They have airships, but they are far and few in between. And then well not just that. They're like it's kind of interesting cuz they're relying on clean energy like a ton in Final Fantasy yeah. 9 like they have like um they're <laughs> like wind wind energy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So and then at, of course and I guess that's kind of dark crystal too, huh? It kind of has that like look and feel to it. And it's got it's got the um advent of technology kind of feel mm-hmm. like like this is the the very first iterations of airships and things. Right. And if you look at it there's like only technically there's like three or four like important airships but then everything else is just flying monsters. Um, so well, there's a lot of airships in Final Fantasy IX. Well, I mean, there's like the transport. Those, I'm talking about the ones that you like typically interact with. So mm-hmm. there's like uh, the Queen's airship. Mm-hmm. There is the airship that you, you get. Your I think it's called the Invincible in this game. I because that's can't a throwback as well. I think to six. Um, is it six that has the Invincible? Oh my gosh! There's so many airships. Yeah, there's a lot of airships. I really don't remember. Um, um, and then there's the one with the. Uh, well, there's the. F- I mean, the black mage guy, um, the black waltz. Yeah, right. Um, and then there is the transport one that you always use. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Remember. But oh, when you're sorry, flying the first one that you actually yeah. Get when, well, when you're yet. flying your uh, airship, you know, everywhere, like you'll see random airships. Right, and around, those are your which is really cool. System. It really like makes system. the world feel more alive, you know. Yeah, remember you can actually go to certain gates um, that mm-hmm. are in the world, and you can actually tra- or you can get transported by those airships, which is pretty right. cool too. Yep. So, uh, so, so this game was actually uh, developed the same time as Final Fantasy VIII. So Final Fantasy VIII released in 1999, and then Final Fantasy IX released in 2000. And I remember that's way too close. Yeah, like, well, everyone's thinking, like, holy crap, there's another FF game coming out, and uh, I... I barely got any tough time to finish the last one. <laughs> I remember thinking that, well, when I saw this video, I actually thought that this, it was like an April, one of those, you know, those video game April Fool's jokes? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally thought that's what it was. And then, like, the next month, you know, a new magazine came out, and I was like, oh, oh, crap. This is this yeah, is we, legit. Holy we crap. We for sure bought it and the strategy guide. It, yeah. was, it was good. It was, I think after seven, we were hooked, um, family-wise. Um, oh, yeah. So we, we were like, oh, there's another one coming out. Looks like we're going to have to go get it. Let's so, go trade in some games. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess uh, also originally they weren't going to make this a numbered Final Fantasy game. They were going to make it like a like one of the Final Fantasy guy was it Gaiden or something like that. Uh, All just, the adventure ones. Yeah. Well, they uh, they were worried. The developers were worried that um, they were going because it's such a departure from seven and eight, like style wise and everything. That right. they thought the fans would be like. This isn't Final Fantasy. You yeah, know. but six was a departure from five, and five was a departure. Oh, and five. Well, think about when, you know, Final Fantasy really got in the mainstream. You know, that was the Final Fantasy seven. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then people still are trying to figure out how are these all connected? Why are they all in? The, is this a, is this <laughs> a sequel to whatever? And do I need to play seven and eight before I can play nine in right. order to be able to? I can see, I can see that being a a, a worry. I think nowadays they could care less. Like they'll release a game. Yeah. No well, I mean, it's Final Fantasy is is the marquee name of JRPG. So I mean, they can well they can do whatever they want, pretty much. As long as it has a, it's almost like the 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 hallmark of a Final Fantasy game is just going to be a linear story. Crystals will be involved more than likely. Be closer to the main plot. They're going to have some chocobos in it. There has to be some chocobos. Um, and then there's going to be a couple moogles here and there. <laughs> and um, I think that's those are like the only things that are required in the game for it to be Final Fantasy. Um, I don't even remember chocobos in Final Fantasy VIII, though. I know they are. They are. There's a mini game. You I know. Go into a but like when I think of that game, I don't think of Chocobos for some reason. It's because it's a really serious game, so yeah. they don't. it doesn't really focus on the... The fun part, if you will. <laughs> um, but 9 does bring back Chocobos, which we'll talk about later in gameplay. So uh, so this one was actually, the scenario is, the main scenario was written by Sakaguchi, which is yeah. which is kind of cool, because I, I think this is, well, yeah, and I think this is the last one. Yep, and then he left. Well, he kind of, I think he was, it felt like he was forced out, really. I don't think it was forced out. I definitely feel like he, he, was wanted, embarrassed to, he just or... wanted to do things, yeah. yeah. I don't know. He, the thing is, in not by this game, by the way, in <laughs> creative spirits, spirits within, yeah, in creative endeavors, though, it's probably it was probably better for him to have uh, divvied off and done his own little thing for a while, because I mean, he then he ended up making games like uh, one that I was telling you I watched a video about the Lost Odyssey and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like it's, it's a um, good game. Yeah. So regardless of how he left or wh- and whatever, Blue Dragon, he just he made he uh, yeah he did good things. Either way, we're talking about. The good thing that he did in Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> uh, so this one was directed by uh, Hiroyuki Ito, and uh, so he directed six, nine, and twelve, mm-hmm. and he was the b- battle designer for four, five, six, eight, and twelve, or four, five, six, eight, nine, and twelve. And it shows. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he definitely has his hand big time in that Final Fantasy cookie jar. Yeah. Um. So, Will is. Is, this is in his favorite topic, but uh, so this one actually so has sold uh, 5.5 million copies as of 2016, and eight sold 9.6 million. So it definitely wasn't as fin- financially successful as the other ones. But I I really wonder if like 
like there like you said there just wasn't enough time in between and well, since 2016 Final Fantasy 9 has been released on every console. Which one? Final Fantasy 9. Oh yeah. It's now on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, right. Steam, um Well, so it's Final Fantasy 8, you know. Right, that's what I'm saying. You said since the 2016. It could have actually sold way more since then. Um yeah. that being said, I don't know if necessary. Even initially, though, it sold it sold less than seven and eight. Right, but to me, and this is uh, this is definitely personal opinion. I hate sales numbers just because I don't think they ever reflect how popular how, a game is. Because well, if you think about how it, how good a game is. Well, okay, popular. I'll say popular too. Because even then, a game can be popular, and the sales aren't. Uh, what's not reflected in most of these sales numbers is secondhand sales, which means right. that somebody bought it. They sold it back to GameStop or whatever, and then somebody else bought a used copy of it. Most of the time, these sales have to do with first-time sales, and it usually has to do with like uh, online marketplaces or whoever actually even keeps track of those sales. So half the time, we don't even know if it get, it's getting everything. That being said, regardless of how it sells, there is such thing as cult classics for a reason. It's because even if something doesn't look like it sells very well, there's always the chance that Final Fantasy IX got passed around to all the friends. Right. I beat it. Here, play it. And everybody likes it from there. So I, when I look at sales numbers, I'm like, yeah, maybe it just means there wasn't as much of a fervor when it comes to um, like building up advertising. But if you really look at it, most Final Fantasies leading up to this point hadn't been like really pushed into like having you know 15 commercials in an hour or whatever. Um, so it's a little bit harder to gauge whether or not it would have been... Like if they were to have the same marketing campaigns that they would have, like that they were having for Final Fantasy 15 mm. or for 14 right now, or um, or even I don't know any of their other silent, but they probably spend more advertising for their their mobile versions of their games. You know, like Brave Exodus, yeah, <laughs> back in the day, yeah, yeah. And so I th- I look at it like that's fine and everything, and you know people are like oh Final Fantasy 15 is the fastest selling blah blah blah, yeah, because you put millions of dollars into advertising. There's no way nobody knew it wasn't coming out. There's everybody knew exactly what it was going to be like, and they knew exactly how it was going to look. Of course, it sold. You know what I mean? Nine is, or well, nine still came in an era where people, when they bought games, it was based on the the back cover, right? And well, magazines and, and word of mouth and, and magazines, mm-hmm. and even then, magazines required subscriptions, or you went into a store to see magazines. So it's still necessary. It wasn't necessarily being put in front of people. It was something that they had to obtain themselves. And I think that again, but even I, if the numbers say less, yeah. the game itself is like we were saying earlier. It's in the top three for a lot of people, right? Like at least the top three. Oh well, I was actually looking at this, and uh, like if you if you take away like all the Nintendo RPGs, JRPGs, and all the um, Square Enix JRPGs, mm-hmm. like they are just dominating as far as sales go, and then like. The next closest JRPG that isn't one of those is like number fifty, and that's Xenosaga One. Or actually, it might be Xenoblade Chronicles Two at this point. Oh, when you're looking at the greatest art or the highest selling, like highest selling, yeah, yeah, it's just littered with those. And then Final Fantasies sequels, side games, three D side games Gaidens. sell more than like yeah 
all these. I mean, it's because they're a powerhouse, and Final Fantasy means RPG. Like that's kind yeah. of like. Well, I, I mean, as popular to that point. as yeah. popular as Persona is getting, and how popular as Xenoblade is getting, it's they're still it's technically so smaller pe- smaller companies. There's there's oh, le- yeah, that, less advertising true. still. Um, well, Persona is part of Sega now, and I mean, so they were. Uh, Persona's Sega bought Atlas. them before, right? But but okay. Sega bought Atlas before Persona Five came out. Okay. Oh, actually, that might have helped the bump, you know, because they they definitely got a bump from four to five and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, again, these games are seemingly more popular because we have more numbers to associate with. Right. And I think it was a little bit harder to gauge back then because I mean, when that game came out, there wasn't even YouTube back then, was there? Two thousand is it? I, I don't remember. I don't remember when YouTube first came out. Either way, it was still like everything's in their like fledgling stages back then of like in terms of like social media and stuff like that. Oh, actually, well, I mean, I might as well just get into it now. Do you remember Play Online? Yes. It so came with the, the, the book. Oh, the, so the strategy guide for Final yeah. Fantasy IX. Yeah. And, and, the, and what's, what is it? What's the Prima, Prima Game guys or whatever? Mm-hmm. They actually cut a whole bunch from their guide. And then put it online and said yeah. you have to enter keywords to, yeah. to get the certain... And uh, it was garbage because nobody had a reliable internet connection back then. Yep. So, Yeah. It was actually... It was really weird, the, the design decision. Like... YouTube was uh, 2005. Yeah, okay. So, so YouTube wasn't yeah. even around then. So Play Online was definitely like them trying... So it's funny. They turn play online from the strategy thing, strategy guide to actually. If you when we get to Final Fantasy XI, play mm-hmm. online is actually the thing you log into to I know, pay for your subscription. Uh, so, so a lot of people think that play online is the like the catalyst for game guides dying off. It, I it, I wouldn't doubt that because Prima was literally the Prima the. Yeah. The premium guides that came out, well, and for them to go to online to do things, that right there, like I feel like that was a slap in the face well, for everybody who bought them for <laughs> the pictures, and because they yeah, were legitimately yeah. good. Yeah. Well, the funny part is, is like, so play online was so bad that people didn't use it. They actually like that's how GameFAQs got popular, more popular. Yep. Well, I use GameFAQs to play all of the original Final Fantasies, the one, two, three, yeah. and four, um, and five and six. But um, because yeah, so I had the. It's funny. I didn't even buy the Prima strategy guide for seven. I bought the unofficial one, right. which by the way, is still holding together with pieces of tape, um, like packing tape and stuff like that to keep pages <laughs> in. Um, and then eight, I think it has one big thing of tape on the outside to keep that together. And nine, I barely used it. So it's funny, <laughs> like all these strategy guys, they were, I feel like it's we too did bad that they've gone under. I would still buy them. I, I just like having I like them the looks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I bought a. Actually, I mean, they're still they're still coming out. I bought a strategy well, guide for fifteen. That. I mean, I never, uh, I never, I never use them like my first playthrough. But then, like the second time through, I'll look through it. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't miss. I missed that part. And I know you don't play games twice, but right. So my thing is, I usually use them on my first playthrough to make sure I get everything because right. I don't want to have to go back and do it again. Um, and then you find out there's which is weird that I don't now. do that because I mean that's kind of how I am now. I don't. I like that's why I don't play like. Bloodborne because I don't want to, I don't have the time to keep dying and stuff like that. Well, one of the things that I hate though is that nowadays a lot of the games are coming out with new game plus modes and right, and that it almost requires. Well, that's been around a long time. No, no. no. Well, I'm talking about now they're doing it in a way where the new game plus adds 
Oh, more content. Yeah. More content. So that way, like, you can only get it in your second playthrough because you can only get to that special dungeon at I, level whatever, whatever. I also hate this. But, well, I mean, so actually it's been a progression. So they they started doing it where you beat the game and mm-hmm. then you continue playing and there's extra content. And then now, now you have to be, play the whole game again and then you can get to that extra content. Yeah. Which I don't really understand. Like, what's... I don't know what the advantage of them. Oh, okay. Never mind. I, I did answer my own question. But so obviously they're doing that because they want they extend the time that you're playing this game so mm-hmm. that you're having your possession longer so that you're avoiding taking it to GameStop and trading it in. Right. So I I guess that's kind of a dumb question I was going to ask. I mean, that's if you bought the physical copy or you could be like me and you bought the other one. Or But yeah. Anyways, Gross. I can't look at it that. What, digital? I can't put them all together, the digital ones. I don't need to. <laughs> I, I just play them. <laughs> and all right. keep them in my collection. So Digitally. Let's, <laughs> so let's talk about some of the uh, the first to the series. And um, so this one, um, they want to have, they wanted you to have more of a connection to your characters in this one. And so they came up with this thing called the Active Time Event System, or 8 system um so what? first initial impression well do you think ex- it's good or not oh before i even say what it is yeah oh, i like when i played it again i hated it okay okay go okay let's start with this <laughs> all right so when you were exploring towns everyone would split up and the the ate uh system allows you to see what everyone else is up to uh they gave character development and in a few cases you could get some items uh, one also impacted what cards are played against you in uh, Tetra Master, Master in like some tournament. So, one of the things that I, the reason why I didn't like this and the reason why I thought it was unnecessary is because they could have just played the scene though. Mm-hmm. Um, but they decided not to, and they made it to where it was kind of optional to to get and to. It, and it was like it interrupted. Yeah, it felt like it interrupted. Whereas, to be honest, all they had to do was fade to black show the other thing happening mm-hmm. and then go back and it would have actually felt like a natural progression of the story. And it wasn't like interfering. Yeah. Right. It was like there was, cause, but the eight system made this little pop-up thing and it was like, boop, doop And then you're like, what? And oh, then, it's just like the tales games were like, like, Hey, you can listen to extra dialogue. And I'm like, I don't care what they're freaking saying. Oh it's yeah. And dumb. then they bring up the little anime, um, the, the, the bus and the, they start yeah. talking back and forth and you're like, I don't okay. need this extra character development. I don't need. Actually, yeah. I wonder if this came. I wonder if the Tales game copied the Active Time Event system. Um, one of the things I I think I want to say it was on the Kotaku podcast when they were the, one of the things they were saying, and it's something that plagues a lot of uh, JRPGs with bigger casts, mm-hmm. or not even bigger casts, but uh, the uh, the necessary cast thing, like where it's like, okay, there's four five six people but they're all very essential to the story mm-hmm. so it means that every time there's a conversation there's going to be everybody's going to have something to say about it and then the conversations get annoyingly long for oh, no yeah. reason because like <laughs> somebody so somebody goes so we're going to go into the town right and then everybody has to go yep uh-huh okay yes we are going to go into the town and everybody has to say that mm-hmm. and like it definitely causes a problem but it's it's it seems like that's what ended up happening with the eight system is like they wanted so badly for everybody to say something or to do something in this case right so they made it to where everybody had their own scene to do that but then they made it optional i, I don't know did you ever play, you play grandia right 
Uh, yeah. So do you remember whenever you went to sleep or when you went to like to camp or whatever? Um, oh or yeah, yeah. The, yeah, they always had like the optional ability to go talk to like to do like conversations mm-hmm. with everybody. I would have rathered that. Yeah, I like that a lot better. Because um, it felt like it was part of the flow of the story, right. and it didn't. And, go, and it was always short and sweet too. Yes, and it was really, well. They also wrote it really well. Yeah, Grandy yeah. was good. We'll talk well, about. I that mean, Final Fantasy Nine is written well. I mean, it's it but, is written well, but but it, the way they you're right. It's an interruption is, instead yeah. of like, hey, these 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 characters are bonding. You know, well, that and, was part of it, and because we don't they never brought this back. Oh yeah, yeah, they never brought it back. Well, not just that. Like, I mean. I think we want to see the characters interacting. We don't want to see them interacting with NPCs. Yeah. So that's, I mean, granted, sometimes in the ATE system, like they interact with each other, but usually right. it's like individual events. Yeah. Like you would get the ATE system or uh, like a scene with, uh, with Quinna and all of a sudden she'd be chasing a frog and he'd be going <laughs> through the scene and you're just like, why did why did I click this? Yeah. And the very and end, like it. at the very end, like Eco's like, what are you doing? You know, and that and that's her part of that scene. And yeah. then it ends. And then it ends, and you're like, "Why did I do that? I just wasted five minutes of my life." You're never funny? getting it back. Never getting it back. Well, I mean, you could get those like two items. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what they were, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, as I was saying, it the the AT system affects um, this thing called Tetramaster. Okay. And uh, if you've played Final Fantasy VIII, you're familiar with the triple triad system where you have you have a set of cards and mm-hmm. uh, you place them on one by one. You know, you take turns with the, the enemy AI and it's on a three by three board. Mm-hmm. And each card had like a number value at a northwest, east and south position. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty basic. Like if your number was higher than the other one, within the other card then it you it won it. it flipped the card but then there was like special rules that like you can actually like it adds the numbers of other things mm. like there was always going to be special variants of the rules done to make it a little bit more like add some little some some spice some spice uh so tetra master and i i'm really curious if like my me describing it like people actually get a good image of what this is like if they've never played this uh but tetra master uh has arrows at each of the corners of like northwest or not yeah it has at each of the corners but then also has arrows at the northwest east and south so there's nine total possible arrows that you can have mm-hmm. and this one's actually played out on a four by four board and something weird about this one too is um so in tetra or yeah in triple triad like the board was empty, but in Triple Triad, they like blank in out in Tetra Master. Uh, yeah, Tetra Master, they like blank out spaces for some reason. It's supposed to add more strategy, sure. or like it's supposed to make it more like a uh, like a, a battlefield and less of a of a of a playing mat. Of a what? More of a battlefield. Tetra, oh, Tetra Master is supposed to be okay. more of a battlefield than a than like a play mat that Triple Triad was. Right. That, okay, that makes sense. Um, so Will was talking about this earlier uh, off the podcast, but yeah, there, so there's, there is a bit of a random number um, into the Tetra Master, and I don't, I, honestly, I couldn't find the numbers. I'm sure they're out there, but I'm pretty sure it's random. So, well, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so, okay. So real quick. So you have the arrows on the card, right? Mm-hmm. But then you have these numbers on the card, which are supposed to be 
like hexadecimal numbers or whatever. Yeah, and if you don't know what hexadecimal is, it's basically it's it's programming. It's language. zero through f. I believe zero through zero through zero through f, mm-hmm. which essentially it's one through sixteen. Right. So that being said, each value is so like if it, there's a zero on the card, it's mm. a zero to fifteen. If there's a one, there's a sixteen to thirty-one. So pretty much you could calculate your attack power based on these mm-hmm. for the card, but in doing so, like the first value is the power, the second value is the class, and the th- the th- third value is physical defense, and the fourth value is magical defense. Right. That being said, your attack power of the card, if you, even if you had an F, there's a possibility it could lose to something with lower stats because there's always going to be something randomly generated. Right, random variance. That. Yeah. So it's like this. Anything random? I don't. I, I think I was trying to explain it to before the for the before the podcast. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you have um well, it's like have risk. S- if you have static values for like a for a card game, I understand that there's and you know what? Understandably because it is a video game, mm-hmm. the RNG involved random number generator involved in making these um stat checks, it's one thing. But I feel like one of the things that Triple Triad did that was really good is it made it feel like it's something that you could print out these cards and play them in person. Right. Whereas with Tetramaster, you'll never be able to play this in person because, uh, I mean, if you technically could, you I read, guess, or you could roll dice. I mean, you, you could, could roll dice for everything, but I mean, I don't know. It it seems like it takes away from a lot of the strategy of it because it's a think about like XCOM where mm-hmm. like it says like you have a ninety nine percent chance to shoot something and then you. You, and then you miss. And you miss. And you're like, what is And I'm going like, what the on? heck? Right? Um, <laughs> and that's kind of what it felt like with this game. Why am I so unlucky? It didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like you could be good at the game. It felt like you had to be lucky at you the game. You could be good at the game. You, you can you can be good at the game, but you're oh, yeah, right. You had there, to be overwhelmingly stronger than the other person in yeah. terms of card values because... There's just a level... I mean, there's just more luck involved is, is pretty much it. Yeah. Um, so... Fun. So basically, so you have all these cards, and, and, and a card might not necessarily have an arrow at each corner or each northwest, south, yada, yada. Yeah, so it could only actually even use its attack power only at certain spots of the card. Yeah, too. like like if you had if you had a card, like, um, we'll say you put a card at the very top, mm-hmm. and there's no arrow pointing down. Like someone could put a, a card below you that with an arrow pointing up, and they automatically win. But if you have two arrows that match up, then that's when all these stats all of a sudden uh, take take form. Yeah, and the, and like he was saying, on the card there's there's four different values in a row. Right. And um, but then there's there is the um, there is the second stat, which is it's basically like the card's class. Yeah. And so there's P, M, X, and A, and then the P was what it was its physical battle class. And so if it was a physical card. Um, that it would be like a physical battle and it would take the other card's physical defense right. and calculate that. And yeah. then like if it was a magic M, it was a magical battle, it would take the magical defense. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones were kind of interesting. Uh, X was a flexible battle. So if you're challenging a card that has a, a battle class set of X, the power value of this card ch- uh, challenges the weaker of the two defenses okay. of the resting card. And then there's the A one, the assault one, which actually takes the lowest value of all three. It doesn't even matter if it's just the physical 
attack, mm-hmm. like it's physical, ta- physical, magical, or physical defense, it's going to take whatever is the lowest stat. So pretty much you want to hoard as many A cards as possible. Right. And then there's combos and stuff like that, but I'm yeah I'm done describing the game. So. The the game, the game has potential. I think getting, I think you could almost play the game without having to use the RNG. The random, all. yeah. Yeah, and you could actually have like legit. I know this is gonna win, and like you can. Well, especially if you if you like if you played it in person, especially if you didn't know what the other person's cards are. Right. That would be, that would be the good way. Yeah. And if you. Yeah, uh, this this random thing really gets me. I I'm not a big <laughs> fan of 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 RNG most of the time. I mean, even in designing games myself, if there is RNG, there like it's to a point where there is never a yeah bad like, outcome. There's always a less desirable, but it's like yeah, you can have stuff where like okay, so your base stat is like my attack is thirty, and I might I'm in, my range is like thirty to thirty five. You know, yeah. it's not like. 30 to 70 or something like that. Yeah. Though, I mean, there are certain attacks, like if you, I mean, there's certain games where, I mean, I've, in things I've designed, where, yeah, you want it to have a really low, low end and a really high, high end, mm-hmm. but that's because the attack itself costs next to nothing, and again, yeah. it's give and take, so you, you say, hey, this has a really high chance of critical hit, Um. But, but it costs more magic it costs points. To do it. Yeah. But if it doesn't, ha- this doesn't have a chance to critical hit. But it has a chance to do a lot of damage. But it also has a chance to not, like it, it has a high chance of missing or something like mm-hmm. that, which you want it to hit. And as then hard. a lower cost. Yeah. yeah. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So you give and take. But this one, it doesn't really give take much anything. It's just like always shooting at ranges instead of um instead of hitting exact values which i'm not a fan of but you know it is what it i'm is. not even sure what you get out of this game like in final fantasy 8 you could turn these weapons or the cards into items and stuff like that and actually i don't even remember what you get out of the cards in this game and other other than like i won i think it's just that you won yeah i, I don't i should have looked it up but i yeah, i didn't uh i don't remember so yeah, you can turn yeah you can use your cards in triple triad as you mm-hmm. can you can um what do you what do they call it in that game synthesize i think so synthesis or, or like ground or yeah anyways yeah uh so something new to the series um it was just kind of different so the save points were moogles and uh yeah yeah like recorded your journey yeah like even when you're on the world map it's funny because you you play this like moogle flute and uh and then like a moogle like sprints over to you and uh you can use tents with w- when you're with the moogle or you can uh sometimes you can purchase items yeah and he what? goes what's good my dudes <laughs> <laughs> i think he says that i'm sure he doesn't that would be <laughs> hilarious though uh another part of the like the moogle save area was remember the mognet mm-hmm. so mognet is actually a throwback oh it is Okay, do I believe explain that one. Um so Mo- actually you know what? Actually it might have been retroactively a throwback because I think well I know three uses it. But three uses it in the remake. Oh um, yeah. And then Yeah, so never mind. I'm lying. <laughs> okay. I'm lying, I think that's Yeah, I, I don't know I if it was using the other one. Um but essentially like they'll ask you like, Hey, like all these mogs are a big family or you know, big 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 interconnected group and so they're asking you to deliver messages to these other mogs, and then you'll receive letters back. You get to read them, and it's kind of interesting because it like it really gives these these mogs like a, a bit of character, you know, 
and not that I really you care that much, but yeah, it's still well, neato. Yeah, it, well, I mean that's kind of the whole point. Like they didn't like save it. Saving is so mundane. Why don't we add a little spice? Yeah, that makes sense. And then why don't we? Include I mean, some of our our favorite is, characters, which is funny too, because like. Well, maybe they didn't have a place for Mogs, and they're like, what do we do? I'm like, oh, let's make the safe spots Mogs. <gasps> Good idea. So, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, something new to this one. So uh, they had the field icon. So a exclamation marks uh, popped up above their character's head, signaling that like an item or a sign is close by that you could that you'd use. And honestly, in the other Final Fantasy, like 7 and 8, I kind of wish they had something like that. Because sometimes... Like this stuff blends in with the the pre-rendered background. Yeah, but that's the whole point. And you have to you have to incessantly click everything, click 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 click, click. Right. So <laughs> just so you can find the items. But it was part of the process, and it was something that we all grew accustomed to. I guess. Right. Um, I don't know. Like, you can be mad at it. Um, but at the same time, it was part of the... Like, it's what you expect. I mm-hmm. mean, from the first Final Fantasy, like, that's just how it goes. <coughs> but it was... I think it's a quality of life thing for this game, for sure. Right. But even then, that exclamation pops up for most things. Because mm-hmm. I think there's still certain things that are hidden that you can't... That the exclamation mark doesn't pop up. I can't answer that, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't remember anything like that. Um, so something very different. Uh, the main character doesn't have a sword he's a thief and he has daggers he has daggers and naganadas and double-bladed uh whatever the heck it is i think he can use short swords too though i actually have that in the character like when we get the characters um oh he has a double-sided blade that's what he gets mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 um so there's a few more uh mini games in this one the the chocoba hot and cold so it was a good game. Yeah, it was a good game. It's kind of like uh, reminds me of uh, a link to the past where he has to use the shovel to dig up for rupees and everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can get a, a, a fourth of a heart. Yeah, but this one became a lot more involved, I think. Well, uh, it expanded that where like he, he's actually, they're actually digging for basically treasure maps. And then you can take those treasure maps onto the, the world map and you can find items. Yeah. I remember just um, going as a strategy guide and finding all those because yeah. I'm a cheater. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, there's a frog catch game and which works. With Quina. Yeah, Quina catches frogs for rewards, and I'm like, I didn't do that one. There was also the jump rope and the foot race one. and The things that you have to do like at the first part of the game, and if you miss them, then you can only do one of them, I think, later on. Well, you can do the jump rope one later on. I think you can do both of them, actually, now that I think about it. But you don't get the same prize that you would have. I don't even remember getting a prize. Well, don't you get um you get like a jump rope badge or something like that, and then unlock like somebody gives you something later on or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember getting anything like that. It's one of well, those. Well, you know why I probably never. Things, you know why I don't remember? Hmm. Probably because I did I jump rope and I jumped like five times and I didn't get it and I was like, okay, moving on. You're like, f this. Yeah. <laughs> I might have done that um after using a emulator with the original disc mm-hmm. and just going, oh, look, I can save state. And then I'll just save state every time I make a good jump. And then I'll uh, save state and save state and save cheater. state. Cheater. So save state. I'm just kidding. It's not are a big less deal. of it's cheats now because now Nintendo supports them. I, I was yeah, telling you the, earlier, the, I'm playing Breath of Fire on the their little 
Super NES emulator thing. Yeah. And or yeah. there the Super Nintendo Mini. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I'm actually doing this on the um, on the Switch. So like, oh, with, uh, online. oh really? Yeah. So oh. they even they have save states, but also if you hold down the buttons, they mm-hmm. have a rewind thing. So like it goes back like sev- like it'll it'll jump back like sections of time. Oh my gosh! I can finally beat uh, Ghosts and Goblins. They actually funny thing is I think they actually have Ghosts and Goblins. Are you talking about the one on Nintendo? Yeah. So they actually have a save state for that game that starts you off like at the end with all the stuff. They That's did that with Super, they start you off right in front of um, um, Ripley in um, in Super Metroid mm-hmm. or, or not Super Metroid, just regular Metroid. Um, and then how weird it, it's like they even do the same thing with uh, with uh, Zelda 2. Um, yeah. Huh. It's they're all on the on the Nintendo thing, so it's like they pretty much they like it's like they uh they adjusted all the stats and they're like okay cool cool cool. I, there's a lot of people who probably don't want to spend the twenty hours it takes to get all this stuff, and because there are no save states in these or there are no saves in these games, mm-hmm. um maybe not like Zelda and Metroid they actually have saves, but like it's harder to save things or whatever in these games. Why don't we just give them the end thing so they can relive I the, never beat Zelda the glory too. days? Huh? I never beat Zelda too. I loved that game when I was a kid. Um, I never played it when I was a kid because I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then something new, uh, and this might not have been, uh, it, it really came about in a lot of new games. So the, I'll just say, this, the skill system. And I don't know if they ever used it in any, any Fall Fantasies after that, but a lot of other RP- JRPGs Definitely took the system and ran with it. So they use it in Tactics Advance. Oh, they use it in Tactics Advance. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we'll get into that because we're gonna take a quick break. Sure. This just in: David does not know how to spell basic words. <laughs> also, <laughs> I ate some food. I am also drinking some drink. We're back talking about Final Fantasy IX. Live updates on a (laughs) recorded podcast that we'll play later in time. It's fine. I will probably also be eating some food and drinking some drink at the time you listen to this part of the podcast. (laughs) And you can join them if you want. You could. My address is... Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But our, our Twitter addresses... Are they called... They're just called handles, aren't they? Yes. You're so old. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I just don't I don't really care about Twitter. I mean I use Twitter, but I don't really care about like all the terminology and everything like that. Right. So. You, you seem despicable with me, right? Yes. Okay. Do you remember that one scene where uh where Groot is he's talking to that old guy and he's like, Why are you so old? <laughs> That's how I feel when you say stuff like that. Yeah. It's fine though. You're you're an old geezer. I I just think probably it's probably born of, like fifty years old or something like that. I just think it's a matter of I just don't care though. Yeah, I mean sure, but I just, I prefer. I'm sure there's people older than me that know more about this information. Right, but I prefer it to be okay. your age is the reason and the fact that you're bordering on fifty. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so uh, so so realistically, nine is. Is fundam like not fundamental? Well, the I can't talk fundamentally different uh, than Final Fantasy eight VIII or nine. You know, it's got the whole 
the 3D world map, but mm -hmm. then you explore towns and dungeons and they're all pre-rendered backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can still traverse the world using chocobos, uh, use fly airships, and I don't even remember this, but you can sail a boat in this one, but I mean, that's pretty standard. Did we, already, anyway. did we already go into how to learn skills? Oh yeah, so, well, apparently I'm going to get to that later. Oh, okay. I didn't, apparently I didn't uh, format my notes very well. Okay, I I think you had like brought it up, and that's like yeah. I did. You said the skill <laughs> well, system. This is the first one with the skill system. Yeah. It's it's fine. We'll get into it. So it, well, it's kind of like uh, you know, like you'll you watch the news, and they're like, <laughs> they they're like, oh gosh, they oh, lead gonna... it, everything up, and then like, but you won't find out until after so this. Freaking <laughs> like the end of the, and you're like, yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna read about it online. Exactly. So, um. <laughs> So just like the 70, 78, actually just pretty much like all of them before it, uh, it still has the random uh, encounter system, mm -hmm. but this is the last of the random encounter. Wait a minute. Nope. Oh, I lied. Ten has a random I encounter. lied. Um, but one difference between uh, eight and nine is that this one actually has four party members during battle. And eight is only three. Mm -hmm. Eight, seven, and eight are only three. Wait, but that makes sense that there's four because since this is so heavily inspired by the first Final Fantasy, right? Which had four, in case you were wondering. Gotcha. And this one actually foregoes the. Uh, remember we were talking about where they do that thing where they kind of they act, they assign classes to characters without them actually, or. Sorry, this one does technically assign classes to each of the characters without actually saying specifically that it's a class. It does say there's a class. Like, this one totally brings back the individual... Oh, my God, dude. Can you say individualization? Individualization. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, words are really hard today. Um, Yeah, kind of like the, the thing that's really dominant in, like, 6 and 4. Yeah, yeah. where they have their own defined define class right, right class system um so this game continues the whole limit break thing right but now it's called they get in the trance mode oh yeah and so trance is like pretty much low health kind of situation mm -hmm. no, no no sorry not low health this is a limit break system it has a limit break system um and they and they the stay in one. this they stay in this mode for you know a little bit of time right. actually dragon quest uh 11 actually um, took this took the system has a trance system. Mm, has it? like a trance mode. Um, um, do they have a bar that fills up that kind of thing? That one's a little annoying because it's it's random. Like I mean, I know there's stuff that you can do to make it make you get into your trance mode more. But then, like you can only do in Dragon Quest Eleven, you can do combo trance attacks, and like sometimes you have to the, improve a skill or something like that. Or to complete a side quest type thing, you have to do specific trance combos. Huh? Yeah, it's it's a thing. Anyway. Okay. Back to the Final Fantasy Nine. Yep. Um. <laughs> so during the time when you're in trance mode, the character's stats are amplified, and uh, and some of their special attacks, uh, they actually some of them will change. Um. The game, unlike Final Fantasy VIII, goes back to the whole traditional experience system. And enemies do not level up along with the player characters. They do not. Thank friggin' goodness. I don't mind it. We know. We talked about it. We sure did. <laughs> um, 
So as I was saying before, the, the thing that really sets Final Fantasy IX apart was being able to gain abilities from weapons and armors with that skill system. Right. Uh, if you equipped a specific weapon or armor piece, you would gain a skill that you could use in battle. And I think I think some of them are out of battle too. I, I don't really remember that part. Uh, but as you finish battles, you gain experience, but you also gain AP. If you acquire enough AP while a piece of equipment is equipped, then you will permanently gain that ability even when that piece of equipment is no longer attached. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about um, earlier when we were talking about front load. Did we actually... No, we didn't talk about that on mic, I don't think, about front-loading abilities. Um, I don't think so. Okay, so off mic, we had talked about how certain JRPGs did this thing where... Or no, certain games in general did this thing where it takes like seven or... or we were exaggerating, I think. Um, but it takes like eight hours to get to the actual like game mechanics. Like oh, they, yeah, They yeah. always put it dummy mm-hmm. mode at the beginning because they don't want you to overwhelm you or whatever. Right. But in this game, they kind of front-loaded everything. They, I mean, right off the bat, you already had two weapons that gave you two different abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not necessarily right off the bat. I think it's like within the first like 20, 30 minutes, you, sure. you can yeah. acquire another weapon. Um, and then, like you were saying, you learn the weapons. You learn the ability from the weapon. So I think the first weapon that you get, you learn Flea. Mm-hmm. Um, for Zidane, um, the main character, which we'll talk about later. Right. Um, but you learn Fleet, and I think the next one you can learn Steel or something like that. So Steel is one of his main four. Okay. Oh, so so you learn something else from another. That's fine. It, I actually have it written down. Okay, but you learn another ability, and so you keep you like that's when you start making decisions already on how you want to build your characters out because you keep one weapon and even though it's weaker than your newest weapon and sometimes these weapons like like the range of their attacks is like crazy but you decide to you forego the being super strong and one-shotting everybody just so you can learn the ability on that weapon and you but you have to and you have to fight with them to get the ap Mm -hmm. and you have to have them with that weapon while they do it so give it. Do you have a good example of one that backloads? I I talk about Xenoblade Chronicles too, but that's pretty in depth system. Uh, like in terms of like an actual of backloading, uh, like one where like, you know, it takes like five hours, five, six, seven hours to really expand the system, like that gets to the meat of the battle system. I would say most games that uh, most strategy RPGs, like the ones um, I would say like a, like a Fire Emblem and stuff like that, most of those games they backload, but it's usually like uh, it gives you like at least three hours to get into because mm-hmm. the scenarios. First of all, strategy RPGs scenarios just take forever, and usually they start you off with like the main types of units, mm-hmm. and then they start then they then finally add, introduce like, the oh yeah by the, units yeah and, and then yeah. like oh okay. by the way. If you level up this relationship with this person, this unlocks this kinds of things and this kind of thing, mm-hmm. this kind of thing. But then you don't really even get all of it until, again, like ten hours into it. So right. you've already, you've already spent all this time learning all these minor mechanics, and then you're getting more and more and more mm-hmm. and more. Um, then there's games. Good say, example. Actually, that's a really good example. Um, that those ones, it's almost weird. They can't help it because the games are slow as it is. Mm-hmm. Um. But I feel like most JRPGs tend to uh, backload. They tend to backload a lot of stuff, but that's only because I think it's usually walled behind uh, levels and not necessarily behind story. Yeah. So um, certain some certain games. I mean, even this one, you don't get like crazy abilities right. until later on. But they re- they do 
pretty much put all the mechanics up front. This is how it works. But it doesn't really change. So, I mean, just to basically sum it up. So It doesn't fundamentally change the game at yes. 10 hours in. So right. when, it, when he's saying it's front-loaded, yeah, it's not, it's not fundamentally changing the game. You're not doing new strategies. You're just getting new types of abilities, a different, yeah. more of a variety, but nothing really... I think of it like the time skips in animes. Like, you get, like, two, three seasons of, like, a really good anime, but then... Like all of that is thrown out the window when the time skip happens mm-hmm. because suddenly all the power levels are crazy and now <laughs> there's a whole bunch of new mechanics added to all like before you're just using your devil fruit power, but now mm-hmm. you're using hockey as well. And and that just so now all the devil fruit weaknesses that were before, they can all be mitigated with the the new mechanic. Pretty much right. invalidating all of your earlier work. So That's I, a good way to put it. You know what? Yeah. I can think of it like Monster Hunter, which, by the way, it's a game I really love. But if you play that game, you start with low rank hunts, and you're building up armor, you're collecting pieces to make armor and stuff like that. But then, as soon as you hit a high rank, it invalidates all of your low rank armor because all your high rank armor is like twice, three, four times as strong as your old armor, right? So then you're like, okay, whatever, which, whatever. Which, yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty standard for any RPG, RPG. Right now, so you spend. 100 hours or so building up all that stuff right and you max that out then the expansion comes out and that instantly the lowest grade armor instantly is already twice as strong as your high grade stuff that you spent hours trying to get because those monsters take forever to beat and stuff like that that's what just happened to terraria oh that sucks but but that's like but that's kind of a so that's that right there is kind of a way of backloading um stuff so like you're kind of like you're forcing the player to do certain things, but in those cases, it's, it's well, more a matter of not explaining to the people that it's not necessary to do all this stuff. Yeah. You're just kind of using it to get to the next. Well, thing. to me, the biggest part is for backloading is that it it ends up switching your strategies and right. how, and how you play the game. You know, right, that's pretty much the big thing because you don't really ch- like Final Fantasy Nine. You don't you're not changing how you play the game throughout the whole game. Right. I mean, when you get uh, certain other characters, they have a um, a new set of abilities. Right. So there's that. There but, is that. But okay. otherwise, the fundamental, the game itself fundamentally, fundamentally doesn't change because summons are just used the same way magic is. So therefore, you've, you're still using the same, um, the same base. You're not actually changing that base. Right. Which again, um, certain other games will completely change how the game is played after a certain point um i'm trying i'm really trying to think of a better example than the, than the fire emblem thing but oh well, well, fire emblem i thought that was that was great yeah. because uh i mean like you were saying like so at the beginning you know you have your your sword axe and spear yeah. and you know they all have their rock paper scissor thing but then they act, they add in the other variants of like now I have flying units, the ma- uh, the the dragon units and, and the, dragon units. And but the then magic like, users but then if you have a, but then when they introduce those, they have all this great range, but uh, they're super susceptible to arrow bow attacks. Yeah, yeah, bow attacks, and but that does that that does because uh, you want to have these characters because of the range. Yeah. But then now all of a sudden you got the like the the archers. You didn't really have to worry about those before, but now like. Those are really worrisome for those type of characters. Yeah. Um, so I didn't mention this before. So the the skills you can you can you can get you can get action abilities. Uh, oh but yeah, you, yeah. Okay. But sorry. you can also get support abilities. And actually, I suppose this is the part that's really been taken by other JRPGs. 
is with the support abilities you earn you get them but uh you have these things these magic stones and so you can only attach so many support abilities at a time yeah, you only have like a you have a base like pretty much you have like a pool right and you can only use so much everything costs a certain amount of points mm -hmm. you can only equip so many of them yeah which i don't know why like when you mag when you level up you get more magic stones it's yeah, I think they just they <laughs> wanted to add use words yeah. for it, but otherwise it was just you got more slots. You're right. Um, so realistically, this is this is just kind of evolution of the Esper system from Final Fantasy VI. Because in Final Fantasy VI, you would attach an Esper and yeah. it had skills attached to it, uh, and then you would get those. And I, I'm not sure in, in Final Fantasy VI, I can't remember if there was the the passive skills. I'm sure there were some, but it seems like you mostly learn like magic I think or. Oh no! Actually, so you they only learn magic. Yeah, you only learn magic. Mm -hmm. The passives that they gave were if you had somebody equipped, it would increase the stat growth. Ah, of certain there stats. you go. But you didn't. You didn't get to keep it. No. As soon as you got, as soon got, as you rid, got of rid of it, the stat the stat growth switched to whatever esper you had gone to. Yeah. And some of the espers didn't even have stat growth bonuses. So it's still an extension of it, and um, in its own way. Yeah. yeah, in its own way. But yeah, I, I mean, the Tales games, like all pretty much all the Tales games, use this system at this point. Some, some very, I mean, not necessarily like attaching a weapon, mm -hmm. but uh, like you'll have like a accessory piece and you'll get experience and then you'll learn a skill from that, you know, type thing. Hmm. Yeah, I don't play enough Tales games in Berseria. I never, I don't think I got far enough in, in that to really enjoy those systems. I don't, I don't think it had in that one anyway. Oh, okay. Then that's why. Yeah, that system was a little convoluted. It, oh, I mean, most Tales systems are convoluted, but that's because they we were, used to not be. Do you remember what we were talking about? It's that that's it's that uh, incremental thing. Mm -hmm. The way that the way that say, for instance, like a Madden game works. That's kind of how the Tales games have been. <laughs> like they just like every every time they come out with one, if they they've got to use the base system that they used in the last one, and they have to one up it. They have to add one more thing to it, but they never really quite change it. So that means you're always like you're over you're like always bogged down by the amount of things that you can get and that you can do because the last game did a lot and like maybe the last game was monumental and so this one has to be a step above monumental and that's always yeah that could be a problem Dude. for sure <laughs> so the madden games are so funny because like so one year like like the stiff arm move is like invincible and you could yeah. like just stiff arm everybody and like, Oh, I just got 70 yard touchdown. No problem. And then like the next year, like they fixed the stiff arm yeah. function. And then all of a sudden like juking, you could yeah. like just juke, 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 juke. Yeah. Cause those that's supposed to be used to like, they're trying to mitigate things cause they want to make sure that like, okay, so we made offense a little bit too strong. Right. Yeah. So now we got to make the defense a little bit better. And then we got to make the offense a little bit better to compensate for the defense that we made too. Yeah. Big. And then so on, so on and so forth, which is funny though. But the thing with Madden is usually what their things is is not necessarily we added this new feature, we added play sticks, mm -hmm. we added this and stuff. They usually it's like, by the way, now the cloud or now the crowd is fully three D rendered, <laughs> and now in this this year's uh, iteration, you can see sweat, and like those kind. It's really funny like how they advertise it. Like it's a more realistic thing, and then if you read the bullet points, you're like. Did they did they really just patch this game from the last one? Because that's pretty much what <laughs> I it mean, is. I mean, realistically, I'm not sure I played a, a Madden game since uh since like PS1. I play Madden games that other people buy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, not it's not not a fan. Yeah, I guess we don't really do those anymore. Uh, yeah, we don't do that. We used to play Tiger Woods. We don't play Tiger Woods anymore. 
Yeah, any game that has a year associated with well, it and comes out yearly, I don't. I'm like, okay, you guys are really trying to get somebody for their money. The fact that people even complain about 2K games, like, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, it's just the same. Yes, it is. You knew that, right? You <laughs> know how long it takes. Changed. <laughs> you know how long it takes to make video games. If yeah. they're coming out with a game every year, that means there's their quality suffering. I.e., Assassin's Creed. Well, it's not really. I mean, for the Madden games, it's not really suffering just because. I mean, it's the, the same game. Well, I'm saying the quality suffers in terms of you shouldn't have expected it to be yeah. like loads better. If it's this, they've all they've doing is going, oh shoot, how can we reuse our art assets to to make? Oh, you know what? We're gonna make a gambling system, um, and we're gonna make. Remember that? Remember that one like story mode we had in? Now, you, <laughs> now it's an open world story mode, because open worlds are popular. <laughs> you like those, right? They did that in like Mortal Kombat games, actually. Yeah, they're yeah. for their story mode. Yeah. All so, right. so we're getting off the rails. So we're gonna take a quick break, just because we another took, one. Well, we took forty-eight minutes for our first one. So sure. let's do it. Ugh. And we're back after a two-hour break because <laughs> I needed to take a nap, and now I'm back and I'm feeling fully rested. That's yeah, really weird that you took a nap while I'm here. I if I got a nap, I got a nap, man. <laughs> all right so uh so now we're going to get into the characters for final fantasy 9 there's only one there's only one vv VV. that's true man everybody loves vv um but that's not so adorable he is kind of adorable uh so the first one is zidane and you know i'm going to ask you this do you know the character's last name heck no (laughs) so zidane tribal which I knew that. I don't know. Did you really? Huh. Uh, what class is he? Uh, you said earlier. He's a thief. Oh, okay. Good job. So he can use swords, daggers, double-bladed weapons, uh, Naginata. Z- or is that what it. they're called? Naginata. No, no, no. There's double-bladed, uh, and then they're separate. So the double-bladed, I'm pretty sure it's just a dagger, but has a blade on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you were saying, so, so his four, you know, like you have the attack and then you have two skills and then you get to use item. So his two skills that he has is one is steel, as you were saying, mm-hmm. and the other one is actually just called skill. skill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so as you were saying, he has flea. And so actually, so one of the things I want to talk about this one is I thought it was interesting that they were really trying to expand their character class system. Mm-hmm. And trying to give them more a variety of skills, and some of them I thought were pretty well done, matching up with um, that particular class. And some of them were like, eh, I don't really know how that fits. So anyway, so uh, so he had one was detect, which uh, which would it's like scan. It's like scan, but it'll let, actually let you know what item they have. Uh, <laughs> and then there's actually one called what's that with the question mark exclamation question mark. And that uh, puts you in. That basically does like a, a back attack on them. So it's just a, it's more of critical. Wow. Yeah. Uh, annoy, uh, which draws their aggro. Uh, sacrifice, which restores HP and MP to part to the party. But obviously you're sacrificing yourself. Uh, Lucky seven deals physical damage by luck stat, which that makes Why sense not? for a thief. Well, it makes for sense for a thief character. Yeah. Uh, and then thievery, uh, and the damage is based on how many times you have successfully stolen. Yeah, so you better be on that. St- the thing is, 
I was always stealing. I felt like Zidane mm-hmm. barely ever did damage. I just was always stealing with him. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's based off like how many total times throughout the game. I'm. It must be. Actually, that um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it was total times. Yeah. It's kind of like some of the abilities that are in other games where it's like based on how many steps you've taken or how many times you've like saved the game or something like that. Right. Like it's like weird things like that. Uh, and then when he gets into trance mode, his skill uh, skill <laughs> turns into dine, and D Y N E, not with an I. He's not eating or anything. Yeah, that's that's Quina. He, do, he maybe he does dine. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, actually, so he looks a lot like uh, Terra from Final Fantasy VI, which, he as does. you said, is like a callback. Yeah, he to past t- titles. He like he looks like a. Like he's got like monkey fur and stuff. It's weird. Yeah, actually, you know, maybe this whole trans system is the callback just to Terra, in general. Yeah. Did they call her thi- her stuff? Did they call it trans whenever she went into the thing? I, I more, almost I think it was like morph or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, so his so for his dying thing, it's basically it's a variation of single or all enemy physical attacks from him. Yeah. So that that's he just becomes. It just makes him more of a warrior type class character when that happens. Right. And so one so the remember you were talking about support abilities? One of the right. his unique ones is protect girls, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um <laughs> pretty much just because the whole game he's that kind of guy. Flirtatious. Yeah. And, or he's well no, he's got like that weird uh not weird. He's got like the Prince Charming, like I protect all of the ladies mm-hmm. because Ladies are to be protected, that kind of thing. But he has no game whatsoever. But none. Kind of though. Kind of though. Garnet fell for his. Well, eventually, but then he kind of like had to change his ways. Yeah. He had the man up. Stop being a little kid. I mean, we can actually like spoil like that. He's not even <laughs> human. I mean, he's got a freaking tail. That's true. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, the only uh, human character in this game is uh, is Steiner. Yeah. Oh, the no, actually, no, that's not true. Oh, Amaranth is also human as well. I don't think he is. I'm pretty sure Amaranth is, but we can... I don't really it. know. Uh, and the next character is uh, Garnet. Do you know her last name? No, I was about to look it up, too. <laughs> it's okay. I don't think you're going to get anything, actually. Uh, so it's Garnet Till... Alexandros the 27th. I don't know. 17th, sorry. I also can't read num- Roman numerals. Okay. <laughs> uh but then but then uh she goes on the run and and the be incognito they they call her dagger. Although you get the name her and then you can just be like he's like, "Hey, you want to be you should probably change your name." And then you can actually name her Garnet. Oh, I named I just left her dagger. Yeah, I left actually, her dagger too. So, speaking of the I don't think we ever actually mentioned this at all in any of the the podcast about the Final Fantasies. Do you ever change the names of your characters? Yeah. I never do. They're oh, do I def- ever? Yeah. I always leave them default. <laughs> I I think I've... Yeah, I always leave them default, but for some reason, I always named Locke. I changed his name to Kurt, and I really don't know why. Kurt? Yeah. Like as in Ninjutsu Kurt? Like as in Kurt Wagner. I don't know who that is. It's uh, Nightcrawler from X-Men. Oh. Yeah. I really don't know why I changed it to that. Lame. <laughs> uh I'm pretty sure I changed Serge's name in uh in Chrono Cross to Kurt as well. So I don't really know what's with the whole bandana thing. Their name's Kurt, apparently. 
Hmm. I don't know. I was way younger. So it doesn't show that. Uh, I don't see Amaranth's race. It's a mystery. Um. So do you know what class uh, Garnet is? She's obviously a summoner. She is a summoner, but what else? White mage. Yeah. So that's different. That's for, that's new to the series, actually. Um. I mean, they they are taking on the role of two classes, which hasn't been done. It's really. Almost, it almost feels like it was because of out of necessity. Because mm-hmm. first of all, and this is a another game design thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're that early in the game, you always try to fill out. When, especially when you get two characters, there will always be a attack character and somebody who can use magic, or somebody that can use magic to heal specifically, or right. somebody that can use sorry a healing ability. So unless you have like a robust item system where everybody can heal, mm-hmm. which I mean every Final Fantasy you is just pretty much can, but right. Yeah. But um, yeah, so like right up front, yeah, they wanted to add summoner, but they weren't going to give you all the summons, so they still need to have functionality for the character because their regular attack is weak as heck. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, adding White Mage as part of her, excuse me, as part of her like a uh, class type is was definitely it was kind of like. A necessity at the time, because um, let's see, even when, yeah, when you have Steiner, he's just pure attack. Um, Zidane has attack and stealing, and then you get those other like side characters that um, are in, yeah. are we'll, in and out of your party. We'll get but, to those. Yeah. I actually wrote those down. Okay. So, uh, so Garnet has uh, her weapons are rods and rackets, and I wasn't really sure what a racket was. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's it's I, a rod with the top. That's pretty That's much all it is. is. Yeah. Um. And they add like the the one the memorable one is the one that looks like a like a paw. <laughs> um. I remember it just because like adorable. it stuck out. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And again, I think what it, it was was rods do less damage than rackets. I think rackets actually did a little bit more damage. Oh, but, but rods increase magic more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's funny. I did in in of Destiny and Fate. Um. Uh. I did uh, rods and staffs. So mm-hmm. staffs were the ones that did. Uh, gave you more magic, um, less attack, and then rods gave you a little bit more attack with a little bit less magic as a thing. And I think I got that from Final Fantasy VII because Aerith's weapons are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, certain oh, wep- yeah. Certain weapons give you a little yeah. bit more magic than the other ones. Um, but yeah, I, f- I think that's, again, like uh, the fact that... Also, I think rackets are a throwback to uh, Summoner's weapons in three. Um, because I believe they used a different type or a special rod or something like that. I really, I, man, I don't, I so don't remember that one. Um, so I'll kind of, so her skills, I mean, it's obvious it's, she can use white magic and she can use summons and, and something else. She actually had a different, um, even though you can switch it, but she actually had a different character model. She had actually she had three different character models. If you think about the fact that, um, oh yeah. <laughs> I was showing him a picture of the the tiger racket, which yeah. looks like a paw. It's so adorable. <laughs> uh, so she, at the very beginning of the game, she was dressed up like like she had the white cloak on mm-hmm. that make her look like a white mage. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, I pretty much told you up front. Which yeah, yeah. Be. But um, well, there's an interesting part about this, and I, I guess I'll just skip to uh, to Ico. Um, because they got oh, this, those two got it. They real, go hand in hand before, a little bit before we get off of her. So the rackets actually are ranged weapons, and and they do uh, full damage from the back row. So that's what differentiates like from her doing. But she, I think they're kind of like they're almost like fishing rods, except for like 
And they, they like, can be used by her and Aiko. Yeah. So. Uh, so Aiko, what's Aiko's last name? I do not know. <laughs> it's Aiko Carol. Uh, she's a white mage and summoner as well. And she uses uh, rackets and flutes. So I guess yeah. she's complete range. Uh, she also, like I said, she does summon in, in white magic. And um, so for Aiko, she can only, she's a summoner, but she can only summon four summons. But as far as white magic goes, she can use, she can cast holy and she can ca- cast full life. Mm-hmm. And then garnet, um, like she can't cast holy or whatever, but, but she, she has way more summon. Yes. But it seems really weird because they dressed up her like a white mage at the very beginning. And like in my head, I'm like, if you do that, you should probably make her the more powerful white mage. But Yeah, but they dressed up her like a white mage, not because she was a white mage, but because she was just wearing a cloak. Yeah, and they wanted... It to was an homage. Yeah, it was an homage. It was, yeah, it definitely was showing... Because if you think about it, her ability to summon is actually um, based on her story and based on her actual character. Right. Um, and whereas, I mean, Aiko is as well, but she's also a child, so she can't summon a whole bunch. And I think you can only get her summons as you go through the game to defeat certain people or certain things to get her summons as well. Um, or actually, you know what? I lied. I think those are based on her weapons as well. Ah, crap. So something interesting too. So her trance ability, uh, so her summon skill turns into uh eidolon or however you want to talk about for Ico? uh this is back to garnet sorry oh sorry and uh well that's what the summons are called in the in final fantasy 9 they're called eidolons and uh so when you when she's entranced there's a chance for a more powerful summon attack mm-hmm. and uh but not just that there's a chance f- that you'll cast it and if as long as she's still in trance there's a chance that it'll just automatically attack again not taking up any mp like that right and uh but something else interesting is that um, they actually like extend the animation for the summon. Like if it's the more powerful one, mm-hmm. like the animation will get a little bit longer. Yep. Also, their attack power is based on the number of gems in your inventory. So oh, the idolons. Yeah. So like oh, Shiva, yeah. Shiva gets a bonus based on the amount of opals, mm-hmm. um, topazes for Ifrit, Peridots, uh, for Ramu, and so on and so forth. And then apparently for Ico, it's just all sapphires. Um, hmm. Because I or, totally sorry, forgot about this. Sorry, Fenrir is sapphire, and then Phoenix is just Phoenix, as it were. Doesn't even get bonuses. Carbuncle's random as heck, um, and then Ma- Medine. It's the one that does holy. I think that's the most powerful one she has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on to VV. I might have to play this game again. That's a good game. Um, so it's VV or Nightier. <laughs> shouldn't even know how to say that. So VV. Uh, pure black mage. Pure black mage. He can use, he, she can use, I think it is a she actually. So I think that. They say it. They use a pronoun in the game at mm-hmm. one time, but I don't know if they ever go back to it. Yeah. Because if you look at it in most forms of media, they say it's he. Even if you like certain websites are like the fandom website that I'm looking in that has the Final Fantasy wiki, it says he. Um, really? But I, but I do believe at one time they said they were genderless, so I don't know if that means anything or if that is like another possible like retro. I think he's identified thing. as males actually in the in the game. 
Okay. Uh, or maybe just genderless, really. That's what I thought too, but I think um, for the sake of the game and referencing the character, it mm-hmm. was always referenced as a he. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we'll never really know because there's never really... There's that cloak he has. And yeah. Yeah, the fact that... <laughs> so, the fact that he, only his eyes show, it's never been like a thing where it's like a, they take off their hat and like mm-hmm. you reveal like some bald guy or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. But it's just... Well, it's that there. lends to his character. His character's great. His uh, character is great. So obviously, he can, his skill is black magic, and he actually doesn't have two skills. Uh, he just uses black magic. And yeah, when that's he's what in, I say. He's just pure. Yeah, he's pure black magic. And uh, when he's in trance mode, he uses double black, which allows you to cast two, uh, two black magic spells. The thing is, he is one of the few people with uh, with elementals um, attacks. So he is almost invaluable um, because of the. Yeah, he's always in my party. Yeah. But it's, I mean, to be honest, like, I'm running, I ran into that problem when I was designing of Destiny and Fate. It's like, do you make a whole bunch of, ma- or multiple magic users, or do you just leave one person being the magic user and, and kind of force the party to figure, or pers- force the person when they're creating their party to say whether or not I'm just going to put this magic All user right. in or not. Um, but otherwise, like, I mean, there's always going to be somebody with elemental weaknesses, and then there's, of course, you're going to have that one thing that one uh, monster that always reflects everything magic. So then you can almost invalidate that character. But I kind of like that though. Cause you want, you still want the, you don't want everybody to have elemental attacks, but he does have combinations with another character we'll talk about as well, which is pretty cool. So, uh, what's Steiner's last name? Steinberg. A trick question. He a has s- no last name. Diner is his last name. So what's this for? Oh, his it's it's Adelbert. Adel, Adel, wow, Adelbert. Uh, and he's the knight. He uses swords, and um, he uses sword arts. So he has sword arts, and as we were talking about, uh, he can use sword magic, which you need Vivi in the party to do this. Which is freaking awesome. It I really is it. cool. Actually, you know, I wonder if uh, Vivi can select sword magic too. Yeah, he Maybe can. That's, oh, he can. So that's his other skill. Okay. Um, but as far as uh, some of uh, his sword arts... Oh, wait. I lied. Sorry. If Vivi and Steiner in the party, Steiner can use sword magic together with Vivi during battle. This will not take Vivi's... Uh, Vivi... It doesn't take Vivi's MP. It takes or, Steiner's MP. Right. And it yeah. doesn't actually cause Vivi to lose his turn either. Right. So it is definitely Steiner's move. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of made for him, they kind of made him, um, a mixture of all the knights, dark knight and knight. So one of his moves is, also, isn't it part of the story? The reason why Vivi and him can actually do the sword magic. Don't they actually have a point where he asks, asks, is there, is there any way you can help me or something like oh, that? I think they're like, I think, I think so. It might even be an ATE moment too, yeah. but yeah, I think there, I mean, there's actually like legitimate well, story there's that unlocks auto, it. Yeah. There's auto ATEs in the game. So I yeah. mean, it could be one of that. Um, but either way, it's, it was, I, I remember specifically that it was part of like, there was actually like a, a scene that played out between them to where it was like, Oh, I can help you. That would be cool. Or something <laughs> like that. Because of course, Vivi yeah. the whole time just wants to be helpful. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so he could use uh dark side, which reduces HP, uh, to damage the enemy. I overuse that. Yeah. I overuse that too. <laughs> uh, all my dark Knight classes. So like I said, like, it's kind of like. They basically were like, okay, it's just night. There's no regular night or dark night. It's just yeah. night in this instance. Uh, he has the minus strike, uh, which is the difference between your max HP and the current HP. Yeah. And he has charge, which I actually liked. thought this one was interesting. So this makes all near-death allies attack at once. 
Well, not at once because it's probably kind of, kind of like a Calvary thing. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, there you go, like that. Uh, and then for his trance mode, uh, his attack power triples, and that's that's basically it for him. Seems fun. Or it's it's funny. It's like it's you. Sometimes you think these things might be too simple, but at the same time, like it would be. It's better for them to make it simpler for the characters who are chunky characters, like mm-hmm. like him. Why why add any any more complication? He already has strategic moves like the sword magic and, and right. dark side and and things like that. So he's ar- he's already got his layers of strategy built into his character. Right. Same thing with Vivi. They've got the layers already built in. Just, mm-hmm. just well, give, pure, I mean, yeah, they just, give him one function. They're yeah. like, this is what you do, and you do it really well. <laughs> uh, the next one is Freya, and her last name is I don't know Crescent. Freya Crescent. All I know is I I drew this character when I was uh, when I was younger because I loved her so much. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I think so this cool. is a cool character. Like she's like, so cool. She looks so funny though. And she's a freaking dragoon. She's a rat. She's a dragoon. That's true. So, I th- and I've always loved dragoon characters. Like they're they're my favorite. So something different for this dragoon, and I don't think they could in the past, but because dragons always had spears, but this uh, you can use lances as well. Although I don't know if there's like a different. I don't know what the difference between the two is, like uh, stat wise. Uh, well, I think there's pole arms and mm. and and spears and lances. So spears and lances tend to have a pointy edge. So like think of a think of like a. a like a dagger. Oh, I mean, end. I know what a lance is. I just, right. uh, I, I don't know, like, for the game, what the difference is between the two. Oh, and I was, yeah. Well, the pole arms are pretty much like, it's kind of like a, think of like an axe on the end of a, of a, of right. a pole. Um, pretty much one of them has poking and one of them slices. Right. Um, and uh, so she obviously has the ability to jump. Just like of all course. the other dragons, uh, but she also has the the dragon skill, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so she has the the lancer, which reduces enemy HP, MP, and MP, which and I believe seems pointless, really. It seems pointless, but in deep strategic moments, it's really good because it absorbs. I believe. I don't think it absorbs. I think it just. I th- I think it just reduces it. But I mean, I suppose like if you just keep using it the whole time, I, I, maybe there's a chance that. With a boss, there's a particular boss where it has limited HMP, you know. Yes. Uh, another one is Reese's Wind, which uh, casts Regen on the party. Uh, another one is Dragon Breath, which uh, it's just a it's just a non-elemental cla- attack on all enemies. Physical attack that drains MP equal to one sixth of the damage done. That's the Lancer. Yes. Hmm. Oh, so it does draw it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he, somebody else in Final Fantasy X uses that as well. Um, the, um, shoot, I can't remember. It's Kamaru. Kamari? Kamari, yeah. He uses it as well. Um, It's a Lancer. Or it, the Lancer attack is literally for people who use Lances. <laughs> I actually, so I actually love what they added to the Dragoon class in this one. Um, So they have... Uh, white draw, which restores MP to all party members. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luna targets, uh, makes the target go berserk. Six dragons. Uh, this one's weird. So six dragons sets the party's HP MP to random numbers. For each character, we'll do one of the following: restore all all MP HP, restore all. And it's just random. Okay. Yeah, it's just random. So I mean, I guess it would be good if like you're all near death and you just set it all the random. Because most likely it's going to be a number higher than what you ter- currently are. 
But so this is a we. So her, that one I don't like. That one's kind of dumb. It's not though, because like you said, it's very situational. But it's actually it's weird. Like so the because the dragoon has the ability to be out of the sight of combat mm-hmm. for times. It seems like the the alternative to keeping the character in the battle is to give them the ability to support it right. or to support the team. So, like, if they, she were to restore HP one turn or she would give everybody regen one oh, turn. Oh, yeah, this is exactly what they're the doing here. I, 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 mean, yeah. I, I like what they did with the dragon. And I'm not sure if they, they pulled any of that forward, though. They did. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. In Final Fantasy XIV, the it. dragoon and that heavily pulls from being support like you actually pick a party member mm. um and you give them extra attack power but you have to stay close to them it's like a it's like a whole they have a lot of, they have a lot of strategy that's, for for the dragon that's awesome i think uh so for her and for her trans attack is actually pretty cool too so freya stays in the air and as as she's um well if you jump she stays in the air and she just randomly launches down yep. with and her then spirit she, and, and then she goes, goes right, right back, back up. up. Yep. I remember that and being like so so enamored by like first of all the animation is really cool. Um or at least it was even cooler back then. Um but also like it just like you you literally have like a bomber mm-hmm. like set up and set up in your party if you if you Oh actually she doesn't actually come back down. She just throws spears from the sky. It just Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, I already talked about Aiko a little bit, but uh, I'll go into her trance. It was it, she just can use double white. Okay. Um, and she's I think she's the only one with actual attack white magic. So. Yep. Because one is just pure healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is, in my opinion, the worst Final Fantasy character in all the Final Fantasies, Queen of Quinn. Who has one of the cool classes? Um, yeah, she has one of the cool classes. She's a she's, she's a blue mage, and uh, so I actually prefer. Uh, I don't know if you have ever seen Amano's artwork for her, mm-hmm. but I would way prefer that they go with that look instead of what they actually did in the game, and then pull her tongue in. Oh my god! Nope, I hate it so much. Did you see that Amano did artwork for like Italian Vogue or something like that? I did not. Um, Interesting. Uh, so while you're looking that up, uh, so the weapons that, uh, Quina uses, uh, use forks, big forks. Uh, and as I said, uh, she uses blue magic, which is basically what you, is, is abilities that enemies can, can use. So Amano's artwork for Quina has her tongue out too. It does. Uh, for that part, uh, well, I mean, that's why I said take out that part, but it looks way better. It looks, it just looks more interesting. I mean... Amano's artwork is just always more interesting. Like, I mean, yeah. not, I'm not gonna lie; it's just always, it's yeah. just always very. Ah. <laughs> also, yeah. So, what you're talking about is like all the colors, mm-hmm. but also the same could be said of Vivi's Amano art. Um, Vivi's Amano art has him like with multicolored coat and everything. Yeah, I get that. But but the, um, what it turned out in the game was was perfect. But I personally think that Quina's character is just so. I she's. Weird looking. Yeah, weird looking. <laughs> uh, so she also has the ability to eat, and th- the eat ability is as how she gains the 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 skills to be able to use black ma- black magic. Or and you blue have magic. to like weaken the monster first. Or yeah. Something like that, right? So outside of trance, you have to weaken them down to. You have to take away seventy five percent of their HP. But when you're in trance, you have to take. You only have to take away fifty percent of their their HP. Gotcha. So even her trance is kind of just whatever. It's it's so one of those throwaway characters to me. This is recent, yeah. 
which is pretty cool. So we uh, just looked at uh, Amano did artwork for Vogue magazine. Italian Vogue, get that. Oh, Italian Vogue, and which is actually uh, that artwork is it works perfectly awesome. for it. Yeah, it really does. Um, freaking figure. <laughs> so the last character, last main character is Amaranth, and his last name is Coral. Yeah, because his hair looks like coral apparently. Okay. Um. Cool. So his class is a rogue monk, which I don't know what that means. Um. I think they well. I mean, technically, rogues are usually like usually associated with thievery and whatnot. Yeah, but it's not in this at all. But he uses rogue to more to the effect of like rebellious monk. Yeah, we're gonna go with that. Um. Yeah, I he mean, can throw weapons, and that's. Well, he uses knuckles and claws, kind of like, okay, like so a typical monk. monk. Uh, but his skill is called flare, and uh, but it's it's just like random stuff they gave him. Like so, so actually, it's all monk stuff: aura, chakra, curse, no mercy. I can see, I can see, and then spare change is probably the as bad as rogue as it gets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, okay. The it's chakra. Very mon- it's very much monk things, though. Chakra restores HP and MP to one party member. Spare change. It's just like coin toss, but I think it's just on one enemy in this game. Uh, aura is auto life regen on one party member. Yeah, I guess. Okay, that is part of the monk stuff. Uh, he can cast or do revive. Curse makes enemy more susceptible to an elemental property. Uh, demi shock, which is just like the demi spell, and then countdown, which is doom one enemy. And so, fine. The chakra one seems like it. The aura one seems like it. But like the other stuff, just seems just random to me. Well, one of the things I will say is he's a very late addition to the game, so he's not yeah. necess- It's almost like they kind of looked at it and said, "We don't really need to put a ton of stuff into yeah. this character." I mean, he he's, has like almost no point to the story. True. Um, one of the things, I mean, I run into this problem as well where I introduce uh, a like character. His, his personality is basically he's Vegeta, yeah. except for he's on the good guy side. Pretty much. Um, like, I have run into this problem in of Destiny and Fate. I introduce a character a little, like, I introduce a character early, but then because you don't get to develop the character as much, I actually had to forego giving that person as much, um, as many skills as the other people because if you don't have time to get them, like stuffing them in a whole bunch of like pretty much you don't want to make it to where say for instance you have a level six character or a level six character that you just received or uh yeah you have a level six character you just received everybody else is already level 15 um and then they're leveling up and they're and they're going to be leveling up quick because now you're fighting level 15 monsters right um so then they're just constantly getting skills and you're not actually feeling like you get to use one get used to it and then get a new one right you're just getting flooded with them then you also have the idea of, oh, just start them at 15, but then now they've just got a pool of skills to choose from, and you're like, I don't even know what all these do. and you know, So you have no time to get to know them. So I think that's kind of the idea with Amaran is that if you give him less skills, then he can still learn them as a normal character would or a character that you spent a lot of time with. And since he's already late in the game, you learn just enough up to where everybody else is, and then it feels like he's earned what he would in that time frame. So that's, I mean, I do feel like he is very much a throwaway character. He's um, very much a throwaway character. But, uh, so but yeah, so I can his, see why they gave him less. So his trance is, it's, Flare becomes Elon, and it, it basically your flares now apply to multiple enemies, or I'm assuming multiple allies as well. Gotcha. So, uh, And then this game actually has four, um, 
four non-main party members that join your party. Which, uh, I guess, technically, like, Final Fantasy VI, you got all those mogs that join you. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have... I mean, they weren't actual side characters. I remember Beatrix. Um, oh, that was a spoiler. <laughs> whoops. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, so there's Blank, Cena, and Marcus, and then they're all thieves, but two of them have a sword and one of them has a hammer. Right. Um, but they're, Oh, those are the ones that join you early in the game. Yeah, but they're actually, like, they're actual main story characters in a way. Right. But they're, like, background ones. Yeah. They they come and go. Yeah. But at the beginning, they're pretty prominent. And then after that, then they're just gone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, they still pop up um, later on. Well, I mean, they, they lose their... Um, their essential, main... Essentialness. Actually, I mean, Blank, I think, actually, he's more essential than everybody else because his little section that... Uh, from the beginning of the game mm-hmm. and then coming back to that later in the game and then bringing him back to life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, not that, it's not that far into the game that they bring him back. Oh, I just remember. I feel like I remember that being wait a lot longer, but yeah. Going back in un... Well, yeah, there's like a few... I mean, it's probably like 10 hours later or something like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's... Before we get into the story, let's uh, let's take a break. What? We're just now getting at the story? Holy crap. <laughs> So, we've realized today that we need all of you people, yeah, I said you people, to <laughs> subscribe. What do you mean by you people? And 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 listen a lot, like multiple times each episode, so we can get rich, so we can buy all of the statues and action figures <laughs> the for guy. the Final Fantasy thing. <laughs> we were looking at some of these statues like, like eight hundred and something dollars, and then like even like the smaller ones, like little sets are like one hundred and eighty, mm-hmm. like and that's fine, you know, because it's not we're fine. Ju- we're just all balling out of control over here. <laughs> but it'd be great if we could do that with you know. I'd rather use this money to develop video games. That would be ideal, but it you wouldn't know, be ideal. It it is what it is. Um, that being said, we're back talk about Final Fantasy 9 and we're going to go into the story which starts off rather cool. <laughs> uh so this one's this game I'm just going to give a little little bit of overview for the game first. Uh okay. so this one's really like the story is very whimsical but then it's extremely dark at the same time. Yes. Uh so the theme of this game is life and death and the circle of life like as in the Lion King. Just like the Lion King. No more his favorite Disney movie. Sure. In case you want to know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so in this world, so just a little background of this of of the world of, of Final Fantasy IX. Um, so the world's name is Gaia and is divided into four continents. Uh, most everyone lives on the Mist continent. And so in the lower elevation of this continent, it is completely covered in mist which is poisonous and turns stuff into monsters mm-hmm. or can make people more hostile. Right. So most everyone lives in high elevation, which in turn makes it so that airships are so vital to this world. Gotcha. That's why you see all these like airship taxis and stuff all the time. Right. Um, of the four, of this, um, of the Miss continent, um, there's Alexandria, Lindblom, Bermesia, and, Claria, I don't know how to say it. Clara. 
Uh, and Lindbrum is like a technologically advanced city. Uh, Bermicia is the home of the dragoons. And Claria is the home of the Bermicians that wanted uh, peace over war, essentially. So they're right. like the, I don't know what they th- you call them, deserters. Well, right. And you called them rat people anyways. Yeah. Uh, and then the Claria is surrounded by and protected by like a, this sandstorm. So they're kind of hidden anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alexandria plays the role of the imp- evil empire in this game. Of course. Yeah. And uh, the airships run on mist. Like, so they have mist, like... Generators? Or yeah, anything? mist generators. And that, so the, um, so that's why the other continents really aren't that visited. Mm-hmm. Just because they can't really get there. Except for, I mean, they have ship boats, but... Yeah. Yeah. But everything's run on mist, so that we would be only able to survive. Well, right. the other continents are kind of barren. Like, it's kind of weird that... So they have all this poison from this mist, but then, like, the, that continent is the more lush continent. Right. So, I don't know how that works. Uh, and Alexandria is, is, is led by this Queen Braun, and she is take, trying to take over the Mist Continent. And But Garnet, one of the main characters of the game, is her daughter, and at the very beginning of the game, she is kidnapped, but realistically, she escapes mm-hmm. uh, by a set of, of bandits posing as a theater troupe. Not necessarily posing as a theater troupe. They I are guess a they theater are a troupe. theater troupe. Um, and they're, uh, the way they make their their money money mm-hmm. is by being bandits. Right. Oh, okay. Because they perform and then they... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I forgot about that aspect. Yeah. Um. So, this kind of... Just kind of the main story arc of the beginning of the game. So, they, so they discovered that the queen is building an army of black mages, which Vivi is a black mage. And with the aid of someone named Kuja, which mm-hmm. basically turns out to be the big bad of the whole of the whole game, right? And he looks so dumb. He looks very angsty. He has a lot of hair. He wears like some bikini thing. He's just trying to show off his chest hairs. Like it's like a g-string bikini almost. Again, don't judge. <laughs> Uh, and then the protagonists fight to take down uh, Queen Braun, but in Final Fantasy fashion, the evil empire is not the real threat. Bum 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 bum. And that's pretty much that's pretty much the game. Um, the first like ten hours of the game, and I would talk about more about the story, but that's when you get the heavy spoilers for it. Let's go with. How, how how every Final Fantasy we always talk about not doing spoilers, but there's no reason not to. Um, one I think one of the things that, like you were saying, the story starts from being pretty, uh, pretty standard good evil, mm. bad people, good people. It's um, like always the evil empire, right? But it does delve into a lot about. Uh, it talks a lot about individual choice. It talks about a lot about. Right, determining As, your own path in life, yeah, acceptance, um, and yeah, and and I think one of the big things um, that the game hones in on, starting from really early on, is identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's certain characters that are really pivotal in pushing the idea that everybody is not um, like their family or their race or their or their type of person or whatever or their job or whatever. Um, and B- and that's Vivi. Vivi, like his huge contribution to the story is that when you start off with him, you don't really quite know who he is. He doesn't really quite know mm-hmm. who he is or what he, 
why he's different from everybody else. And as the story progresses, he starts to like find out things about himself, himself and the fact that he's not only, he's not the only one like him. Mm. And, but at the same time, these other people, they're not doing things that he would consider to be um, good. And, there's a time where he questions whether or not he's bad because they're bad, you know, because he's one of them. Um, and then like, as like, again, as the story progresses, it um, allows the progression of not only him, but other characters into figuring out that, or into, I guess, I guess figuring out that they are still themselves. Mm-hmm. Individuality will always be theirs. And even if they come from a race of people or, are manufactured in a certain way that they will still always be themselves. Um, and then, I mean, Vivi has that weird point in the game where, well, the interesting thing about, well, I'll just say in general, uh, this is the first one where a character actually dies off screen. Who? Cause you actually get at the end of the game, you get a letter from one of the characters and it's basically saying, thank you to everyone. Oh, that's from what's her face, right? I don't know. Depends on how much we're spoiling. Again, that's why I said her. Okay, so. so well, it's Vivi. You get a letter from Vivi, and it's basically saying thank you for your my whole experiences. Because, I mean, as he's he's a manufactured uh, thing, you know, he's he's one of the black mages. And why does he look different than all the other black mages? Because story reasons. Okay, um, good. Uh, really, that's really what it comes yeah. down to. Uh, uh, one one thing though that they did—did did they really kill him off screen though? Yeah, they killed him off screen. He's he's basically writing his uh, deathbed letter to the group. Oh, um, I don't remember that. So they actually they actually double dip a little bit in this game too with the whole like manufactured beings. Yeah, but that's I mean again it, it hones still in like they want to make sure to hone in the idea of right. identity. Well, there's two different pe- there's so there's Vivi and how he reacts to you know his limited time and everything. Mm-hmm. But then there's Kuja and who reacts to his limited time in a negative sense. And Zidane who also goes, "What the heck?" Well, actually, I guess I guess in a way he reacts almost the same way as Kuja except for the fact that like he has friends the the real him back in. Right. And, uh, and oh gosh, the power of freaking friendship. Okay. Well, <sighs> yeah, and Vivi, well, I mean, uh, well, Vivi, still, let's uh, Vivi is Vivi. A, like a more of an individual journey that is yeah. aided by friends, mm-hmm. but Zidane is very much like a, um, everybody is discovering the same thing that Zidane's discovering at the same, like, you know, all right. at once, okay. whereas Vivi's on his own little personal journey, right? Um, because there's several times where Vivi is a well, part he's from trying the party. to discover the meaning of life essentially and Zidane thought he already had yeah so he said knowledge he got thrown yeah okay so whenever they bring him to like the planet of the manufactured beings mm-hmm. that he, that he's Terra. a part of Terra okay yeah um the, like he he has like a like a, a holy poop movement mm-hmm. or like he's like oh my gosh what what the heck is going on <laughs> like what you got to do your oh my gosh voice oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> um what is going on um and so like his whole reaction to it is just like this is no this can't be real um uh, which is really funny because nobody else has tails like how did <laughs> like you know you look different are you like you're not necessarily part of the i of mean the goku thing. didn't think of anything of it true i he guess was just you, like why don't you have a tail that's weird yeah okay Actually, he in the comics, he, he like really, he's really searching for Bulma's tail. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, um, but also, I don't know. Identity really is a big part of the story. I mean, shoot. Amaranth, who is? Huh? Identity? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, shoot. Amaranth joins the party because he wants to know what makes Zidane strong. That's really mm-hmm. like his whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so dumb. It's, it's dumb, but I mean, it's kind of, it's, I don't, it works. It works. Everybody. Quinn is also dumb. Yeah, and I don't know why she joined the party. <laughs> Actually, who was your party? Um, it was Freya, Zidane, Garnet, and uh, and Vivi. Okay, so I switch out. Oh, uh, sorry, Freya. Sorry, it might have been Freya. Zidane. I think it was, I want to say it was Freya Steiner for a while, but um, it was always so it was basically the same party, but switch out Freya for Steiner, yeah. just because the magic sort of thing was always so cool. Yeah, I just wanted to be a dragon. Yeah, I know. And I, and oh, I, it, was, it was hard switching her out because I like being a dragon, but she looks funny. So that and she was in red all the time, and red's my favorite color. Oh, so. uh, okay. There's that. Um, so there's some so so there's some things I I noticed when I was playing this game, and uh, uh, so so Zidane actually grabs Dagger's butt, and like he's he's like climbing, and it doesn't actually show it or anything like that. It's just because of what he says and what she says it's very much implied this is what happens Mm because she's climbing a a ladder and he's climbing up behind there and he he says basically don't touch me there you know (laughs) hey he's he's yeah Mm -hmm. yep okay which is interesting because i mean if they're well they they just re-released it for ps4 and all that did they cut that out no because that's what i played on recently so um, it's a pretty gruesome story too. Like, um, there's a bunch of black mages that get in front of Vivi and protect him from the black waltz, mm-hmm. and then all those mages die in the process. Um, and well, there's basically a nuclear explosion in the game. Um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and but like I said, this it's all super dark, but then it's all super whimsical. Like, there's a part where someone dies in front of everyone, and then everyone's like. Damn, I'm hungry. Let's eat. Sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's really what happens. Like this guy comes, this guard comes, and like he's like, "Oh, they're attacking," and and uh, and then he dies in front of them, and they're like, "Oh, we should probably go take care of this this situation." And then like they're like, "Oh, we're really hungry first. and they have this like big, huge banquet <laughs> right after this guy dies in front of them. I thought that was a little weird. Uh, it could be the fact that they were like, if we we can't linger on this. We've got to keep it moving. Kind of well, thing. it's because, <laughs> well, there's that. But they had to have their moment where, because uh, Garnet poisons everyone, or not poisons, but uses like sleeping potion on everyone, mm-hmm. so that she can escape. Mm-hmm. Or not escape, but she wants to go back to and talk to the queen, mm-hmm. which makes no th- sense because she thinks she can change things. That's how it always works. Yeah. Come on, man. But it's really weird though, because like she had just left. Like she's she's like I'm gonna escape. I just left. I should go back now. Why not? <laughs> uh, and then, um, the <laughs> and then not just that, like like all of Freya's hometown is like completely wiped out. And instead of like going after her for revenge or try to get to the next village, or whatever, uh, or like the the news, the next story uh, segment, they just go check out some random village. Oh no! Sorry, sorry. Here's what happens: they they make it to the place, mm-hmm. and they're instead of like warning them, like it, it breaks off and says, 
and says, "Oh, I'm glad you're here. How about we have a tour of this village instead of like going straight to the to the the village chief and being like, "Hey, you need to prepare yourselves because bad stuff's coming." Um. Well, I mean, like many Final Fantasies, there are certain points in the game where it feels like they have to slow the game down a little bit because if they were to move straight into the urgency that is whatever, like, so they do this thing where in order to continue the quest, if you were, um, right. the quest giver or progressor or whatever is further in to the area that you're currently in. So like they give you a little bit of time to explore beforehand. And I think that's the kind of what they were doing. They're just like trying to give you, like a little bit of time, a little. There's a save point over here. Make sure you save your game. There's this over here. You get some items, stock up, that kind of stuff, and then move on with the game, kind of thing. Well, the weird part is they don't just let you roam in that town. They actually have someone to give you, like, basically a guided tour. And I, actually, now that I think about it, it, it does play a function because you, during the little battle in this town, you're supposed to go to certain places to save people, mm-hmm. and so I guess you do have to have a little bit of lay of the land. Yep, yep, yep. So I guess Final it did serve a purpose. The scenario designers for Final Fantasies have always... They typically are pretty good about making sure that things aren't unnecessary um, and that they do aid in the in the, in the flow of the game. Not always. There are many times where I've played and I'm like, okay, so we're just throwing an extra scenario in here, <laughs> I see. Yeah. Um, and that's the reason why I'm, I'm hesitating on playing 9, but like, I know I, know I want to play it because I haven't played it in so long. I just feel like... Dude, just wait till like, yeah. 2030 when you can play the remake. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> uh, and there's one part in the game where the Eidolon uh, Ramu... Is it Ramu? The Thunder one? I, I don't know how they ever pronounce it. I always it. say Ramu. Ramu? Okay, so Ramu tells the story of a battle between many nations and a man who sacrificed his life so that the a young band of rebels could live to fight the Empire. And this is the narrative where it refers to... You probably don't remember this. Joseph and his purpose in Final Fantasy 2. Like, like the game's kind of littered with little hints to past games. Oh, almost like the games exist. Well, the, the original th- games. Right. They ex- Like, they exist in this world? Or, like, they exist as stories from this world? Stories from this world. Oh, Sorry, actually, stories from their world that are in- told in this world. Right. Uh, actually, there's another one I... I'll get to that one. Uh, so, do you, how much more do you want to talk about the story? Um, we talked about the media. oh Garland's a throwback too. Yeah, Garland. That's the so Garland's the one that creates. So, so Kuja and Zidane are artificial beings as well. Uh, but yeah, they're created by Garland. And Garland's the main villain of the first Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, he's actually the first boss you fight and the last boss you fight. Mm-hmm pretty cool anyways um yeah this game definitely was like hey guess what guys i know you played the other ones i know you want to see these names again <laughs> <laughs> oh there's gilgamesh in this one and um yeah oh, i can't think of much more um but yeah garland's like a, re- a recurring thing he's he's in uh final fantasy 14 as well too mm. as a main person so so you want to move on from the story yeah sure okay uh so this is the last portion the did you know portion actually okay. let's go back to the story real quick Kay. what did you think overall of the story was it actually something that you you liked as a story or was it more or less in like what it is for me it's just so nostalgia driven that it's uh not necessarily comfort food but it 
it hits the the little dopamine buttons every once in a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would say that the overall story is fine, but I really I really enjoyed the themes and how they presented the themes in the game. So you think it, it was just a, okay? It was a good combination of those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, it's definitely like it's definitely above average. So, gotcha. Yeah. I mean, as with every Final Fantasy. Just kidding. Yeah. It, it does Most have good characters, except for those two that are dumb and pointless. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, so the game was developed in Hawaii as a compromise between for the developers living in the U.S. And I don't know if you know this, but or remember, but uh, the studio in Hawaii is actually where Spirits Within was created. Okay. And then after Spirits Within like failed... Like the 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 branch in Hawaii like is no more. Actually, I don't think it's any more right now. Or maybe maybe it's just really small. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, so I thought this was really interesting. So each map was made by a different person, and that person was responsible for creating the events and dialogue of the map. Hmm. Yeah, and then actually, once they did though, they I mean they still like they all got together once they created their map and everything, and then they kind of like figured out how everything fit together. Right, but I thought that was really interesting that they gave um, so much leeway the people to create stories for their own place, which makes sense. Yeah, and y- you can tell though in like the in the little side quests and stuff that like that the individuals created it because it did feel it felt, but it gave the the idea of a, a living world when you have other people work on different scenarios, so right. it almost feels like. Uh, a unique community lives in each of these areas, which was pretty cool. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that it was because it was made by different people, but now that I know that, it, it actually makes sense why they yeah. did feel that way. Well, they probably wrote, I mean, they probably had them write it, and then, like, the main scenario dialogue writers probably went in and, like, like okay, cool. Oh, I like this idea, I like this idea. Let's, let's refine this and all that. Right. Uh, so this is uh, this was Sakaguchi's favorite Final Fantasy game. Okay. Um, and actually, Aiko is named after Sakaguchi's wife. Of course it is. <laughs> uh, I guess the ending was changed seven times. I don't really know anything about the other endings, but I don't know. Either. I don't know either. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Um, so I guess in a weapon shop, I don't know what town it is, but if you examine a sword in one of the weapon shops, Zidane will say that he has, he had previously met a guy with spiky hair that carried a similar sword. Oh yeah. There's a buster sword. Yeah. There's a buster sword in there. But I, w- I almost wonder if that's like a Dissidia reference. Uh, I don't think Dissidia came out before this game. PSP wasn't that it didn't exist. Oh, yet. PS2 time era, yeah. This is just PS1. So yeah, it was just a callback to Final Fantasy VII, or maybe they had plans for the city already. Uh, I'm actually I, I wouldn't put that past them. Yeah. Uh, so the director Ito, uh, it was actually his idea to make uh, Zidane over overly flirtatious. Because why not? Oh, why not? I guess. Um, and then since the characters did not look as realistic as 7 and 8, uh, they made it a point to make sure that the player could easily relate with the characters. Okay. So I can easily relate to someone that chases around frogs and eats them. Don't be that person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they actually sent uh, Nobuo Umatsu to Europe to draw inspiration for the for the music in this game. 
and you know I was saying that he was he did a lot of uh, he reworked reworked a lot of his compositions from Final Fantasy one and two, uh, but I guess this is Matsu's uh, favorite score. Which I, I can see was that. Interesting. There is a song that I'll play in the background. It's like flamenco something something. Mm. It's uh, I believe it's actually uh, Freya's theme. Um, again, that'll play in the background. Well, I guess like the opening song. Uh, pieces of previous like the original titles music and kind of put it in there it's a, it's a this one has really it has good music but it for me it was probably because it was pretty much inspired by all the other albums it wasn't necessarily my my favorite mm-hmm. um it felt like because it didn't feel as unique as the other ones because it did seem like it was paying homage so much to the other ones which again not bad um actually good um just not as not as much my favorite i did it's really weird like that that's his favorite and whatnot and but like probably was a lot more fun to work on i mean as opposed to having to like rack your brain to think of all these new themes and whatnot yeah it might be it might have technically ends up being a little bit easier to do that one so it could be why he likes or why it was more fun to work on because you're not you know. I remember Seven's music, like all of Seven's music, but I, I yeah. don't really remember Nine's too much. I remember a lot of Nine's music, uh, especially the, with the battle music and like the boss music. Oh, that's a reworked version of the first one. Right. Um, so one of the things that, like the reason, I think the reason why I remember a lot of Nine's music is back when I was first working in RPG Maker, um, I had actually imported that music, and uh, that was the music for the games. Mm-hmm. Um, of Destiny and Fate, like, had no original music, or not, I mean, it doesn't have, technically have original music now, It, um, but, like, I didn't really think I was ever going to release it to the public. I mm-hmm. never thought it was ever going to be something that I was going to continue to work on, and so I had just, uh, like, all the albums that I had had, I was just, like, looking through all my Final Fantasy stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to use this, and so I had used the battle music for Final Fantasy IX because I liked it so much um so things like that so i was like i think that's the reason why a lot of that stuff resonates with me because i still remember it but it's right um yeah it also was easier to loop that one than it was with some of the other ones but yeah <laughs> well that helps uh so apparently this one was, del- was delayed uh to avoid competition with dragon quest 7 hmm. and then to you know like to avoid this situation ever again square and square apparently bought enix <laughs> I doubt that's the case, but no, I think what ended up happening is that they they were both JRPG giants, and they were like, "How about we join forces?" And then the, I think they both did it out of necessity. I think it was a time when JR, JRPGs were struggling. I mean, there. I mean, you if you read, I guess, into the development cycles for the Final Fantasy games in the early times, it always seemed like each Final Fantasy was literally going to be their last one because they're like, we don't know if it's going to sell enough yeah. to comp or to actually, I bet Enix was the one that was struggling. I'm sure. But I mean, Enix, um, had triace, I believe as well. Didn't they? Uh, I don't know if that was a separate acquisition. I want to say that they were, Oh, you're talking about, yeah, I think Enix, I think you're right, though. I think, I think Enix you and Trius right. were together already. Yeah, I and think then, you are right. Then they all got together. All they right. made that noise, too. <laughs> and uh, so this is actually a last of the, of the for the games. So this is the last Final Fantasy game with no voice acting. 
Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I know, right? Um, and this uh, is the part part point where we get spoiled, and that's what makes it hard to go back to play these games. Yeah, did I say that on the podcast already? Like, no, no, okay. you said it. You said it <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I'm like debating on like like replaying nine because I'm like I'm gonna have to read everything. <laughs> it's not like the dialogue's good enough. It the, is. Only, the only rough part is the active time events. Actually, you know, if the active time events were voice bad. acted, yeah, I bet they wouldn't have been that bad. Yeah. So I don't think uh, I was wrong about this whole trias thing. Um, hold on. Oh, this is the end of the podcast. Oh, it's definitely the end of the podcast. Yeah, so we can just start talking about random stuff yeah. like we always do. <laughs> like we always do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Blah blah blah. Try aces. Um, regarding the three aces who formed the company, most of Triaces games have been published by Square Enix, formerly Enix. So, okay, so Trias was published by Enix. Enix was the publisher. Okay, mm, cool. Okay. So Trias is actually a developer. Cool. But Square Enix bought them at some point. Square I mean, Enix. it might have put in part of the Square Enix just publishes for them. Though. I don't think they actually oh, bought them. Interesting. So they might still technically be independent oh no sorry they were independent up until 2015 and then nepro japan bought them which i don't even know who that is i don't know who that is i don't even think they i was just supposed to say they don't make any games anymore but they do they do they star ocean first apart oh they, they're just remaking all their games oh my god well they made a new star ocean game but it was terrible the last hope no no Animesis. there's this there's that iphone game are we talking about integrity and faithfulness yes yeah, so I heard that game was boring as heck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really disappointing. Oh, well, there's only... I mean, honestly, there's only... Was there's only, like, three good Star Ocean games. Did you know that Tri-Ace also developed Lightning Returns Final Fantasy Thirteen? I did not. Holy crap. That's why it was so great. <laughs> that mm. is interesting. Mm. But they're pretty much known for Star Ocean and the Valkyrie profile games. Yeah, that one, there's only... Well, there's three of them. There's the strategy RPG one for the 3DS or they DS also, or whatever. They also developed 13.2. What the heck? Really? I didn't know that, yeah. So it was the director from Tri-Ace that fell in love with Lightning. Probably. But also, to be honest... There would be no way for them to ever make those games if people weren't buying them. So there was a lot mm. of people who really liked those games. Or they were fooled into liking those games and they bought them and, you know, squared, uh, they're just going to get the money anyways. Um, like Final Fantasy 13-2 and 13-3? Yeah. Oh, okay. 13. Lightning Returns. The thing. Anyways, um, this is where we, where we like you said, we kind of just... <laughs> Um, what are we going to talk about next week? I think that one's the genres. We're going to talk about westerns. Ooh, I don't know much about westerns. That's okay. We'll we'll get into Neither that. Neither do I. I got to do my research. Uh, we'll talk. You know what we should do? Mm-hmm. We should do westerns slash samurai stories. <laughs> I'd rather just do samurai stories separate. There's, uh, there's tons okay, of stuff for samurai stories I know. we actually kind of went into like in depth on one of those to oh yeah masashi or whatever yeah yeah i really i wish we had fan feedback to see if like they liked me adding that stuff to it like the whole sewer system thing for the jrpg tropes and 
And actually, for Final Fantasy VII Remake, I talked about environmental psychology a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if they like it. Yeah, Who knows? Probably not, because you're not very good. That's why whatever. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. That's um, rude. So, yeah. We're going to talk about Westerns next week. Um, Beyond that, I'm not 100% sure. Also, I guess we just found out that the freaking... Oh, Final Fantasy VII Final Remake? Fantasy VII got pushed back. And you know what else got pushed back? So mad. The Avengers game? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you know what I think? It, that game looks fine to me, by the way. You know what I think happened? Is that, so Cyberpunk, I think, was supposed to come out in April as well. But it got pushed back. I think what actually happened is that after Final Fantasy VII announced that they were getting pushed back until April, that Cyberpunk was like, holy crap. Oh heck no, we're not gonna oh, yeah, release in the of, same month. Chain of chain of reaction for sure. Yeah. And then um there and then of course Avengers got pushed back as well and they're like, uh I guess we can kinda compete with Avengers, that should be fine. But Well I wonder which ones are legit, you know? Like which ones I, you know, I wonder if Persona Royal Persona Five Royale will come out earlier now. But that, I mean this is it's starting to turn into a whole like Hollywood thing. I mean this happens all the time. Oh, the delays thing? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, currently they have two Keanu Reeves movies releasing at the same on the same day. That's so not, not going to stick. Why not? Um, I think that they. I mean, because I know the current argument about the push or about the the delays is that they're not actually to help with crunch. They're actually to encourage it even more. Mm-hmm. Like they're crunching even more yeah, in the I next just, couple months. I just or read that. Like that. Yeah, and I was like, dang, that sucks. That sucks. I mean, to be honest. I, I get it because even right now, like I'm crunching to to get stuff done with my game because I want it to release in a certain time frame, but I haven't given any dates to anybody um, or nothing specific. Um, so I can do it in whatever time I want, right. but I'm trying to. You don't it. have shareholders. Right. Which, I mean, golly. Um, yeah, and on that depressing, depressing note. Um, that you don't have shareholders? Yes. <laughs> Doesn't that shares the whole time yeah until next time yeah. <laughs> <laughs>